Welcome to the wacky and wild world of myth and stories. This is our guest introducer tonight, <laughs> Mystic Penguin 15. And tonight's topic is what? The final days of Prack and Mare, the last only city on the Titan moon, on the moon of Titan. First, last, only, all of the above. First, last, yeah. and only. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I've, I've read this story a while back, and I really wanted to cover it eventually. Um, and it's, a, it's a, it's a nice, uh, I say, I say, simple story. Um, obviously, there's, there with anything we do here on, on our podcast, it's never just a quick like, ha ten minute read, and we're done. Uh, nope, there's we'll, definitely we'll a two hours thing going on. It real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so. Um, but so yeah. yeah this this one is uh is kind of different in some ways that it's it's a much it feels like a much more self-contained um obviously it has uh it talks about some events that are are happening in the universe at large at the time that this takes place but um the lore book itself is a little more uh kind of focused into one it one really is. It's, one, it's one, one of it's it's one event that's happening, um, and this this event is is at the beginning of the ca- the collapse, which of course we've covered uh, um, parts of the collapse before um, mm-hmm. throughout our talks about uh, Ada One and and uh, hell even Mara right like like her whole her whole story kind of starts with the collapse. Yep, and. Uh, um, so we'll we'll give we'll give we'll get we'll we'll start with a little like uh um I guess we'll set the scene here for our little story tonight. Um and it it, it all starts with uh realistically it starts with the traveler, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cuz the 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 traveler um as it came to our system, as it came to the soul system, it uh it started jumping around the system, terraforming pretty much anything and everything. Like, be it a moon, be it a planet, be it whatever. It was like, hey, look, stuff. I'm gonna start terraforming, and that and that was it. Like, I mean, we had we had what uh, Mercury. Mercury was terraformed. Venus was terraformed. Mars was terraformed. Yep. Um, IO was partially terraformed and this is this we're kind of I'm kind of skipping ahead but that's you know we're getting there. Titan mm-hmm. was Titan actually terraformed? No. Uh no. my understanding is that the traveler never went to Titan. Titan was the first 100% uh like man-made colony. Like that, that Interesting. What made Titan so um I say so special. Sure. In a lot of ways, was like that was that was the first colony that they did of their own. That humanity before. did that 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 was yeah. not, uh, that was not of the of the it. So so, I guess in that sense, does Titan have uh like an atmosphere? So they, as far as I I know, they never talk about this. I. Uh, I don't I don't imagine that real world Titan has a breathable atmosphere like we see, you know, Sloan sure. and 
everyone all the guards everyone's just sitting down there unmasked uh, and unhelmeted. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to imagine that's that is not accurate. Uh and I don't believe it mentions anywhere of um of the the colonizers doing anything to sure. make that happen. Uh but I I'm gonna suspend disbelief a little bit and say that like if they had the technology to build a colony there they did so having the technology to do their own form of terraforming, do do their own, like, give it an atmosphere of some sort. That's what I'm thinking. That's, that's what I personally think. That's, that's, that's my interpretation of that. Um, like it, cause, cause Titan, um, as, as much as it was like when, 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 and obviously we can't go there now, except for in quote unquote simulations, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but when we went there, there was a whole uh, what, what was it called? The the arcology. Arcology. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, there was a whole there was a whole everything. There, there was a whole there were forests. There were there was trees. There was you know there's all this stuff like I mean little little biomes just underneath glass that that all existed out there in the, in the, in the methane seas of, of Titan. And under the methane seas, in some cases, like they, they had these facilities, uh, the, the arcology I, I equated to like, a um, like a college or a university, like an MIT or something like that. Oh, sure. The sure. The whole point of it was research, research and, and study. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I can, yeah, I yeah. can definitely agree with that. So, that was how, always my take on it, and uh, and then just the mysteries of Titan itself. You know, we we know there's there's some creatures roaming in the methane sea that are are speculatory as to what they are, yeah, um, and and how dangerous they may be. Uh, and and we used to be able to see one, right? Like that's yep. Uh, in two instances, you could see it uh, when you were in a certain area of the arcology that had windows that mm-hmm. uh, were under the, the methane sea, the silhouette of the, the Leviathan of Titan is, is what it was referred to as. Um, and there were some spots up on top uh, that you could see kind of the, the back of the Leviathan crest over the waves every, every now and then. Almost like a like a Loch Ness monster. Yeah. Yep. Type Same type sighting. Style. Like, hey, there's a thing there, and you don't really get the full picture of what the hell it is. And we still, even to this day, we still have no idea what it is, right? No. Like, we it's just referred to as Leviathan as the of Leviathan. Titan. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to be confused with the Leviathan, uh, which yeah, is a it was not a spaceship. Which which is a ship. Yes. It, is is the Leviathan an actual ship? That's how it's always been presented. That eats that eats planets. Yeah, that chews up planets and turns them into, you know, wine, biofuel, for, and uh, wine. For Callus's talk to the darkness experiments. Boy, that's just a weird. Refer back to the glycon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go watch our glycon episode, and we'll tell you how weird the cabal are, and how weird I, I say weird how. I'm just straight up nuts. Callus is like he truly. Anyway, that's 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 yeah. a different story. 
He's off his uh, rocker. Yes, he's off his rocker. Uh, so we hit, we have this we have this moon Titan, and it is a it is a um, it's a moon of Saturn, uh, and and. I know that there's there's all these nice little touches when you used to go there. Uh, um, it, it was part of the original uh, um, Red War campaign, uh, and that's where Zavala, the main Titan, ha 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 ha, that totally wasn't done on purpose at all. <laughs> um, that's where he went to find solace. That's like that's where he was like, I need to get away and 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 I need to kind of recoup, like like get back into my into my own thoughts and 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 you know, come back to a, a leadership position um, after the light had been taken from him uh, by way of Gaul. And uh, um, there was always like nice little touches uh, when you're there. Like obviously by the time we get there, it's, it's infested with hive and there's some fall in there. Oh, yeah. um, it's it, the, like the whole thing that the whole first part, when we first get there, the whole thing is, is we've got to go like, like, uh, um, ungunk the pistons uh because yeah. the way the the whole place gets power is from the from the methane sea itself it's it's a wave uh wave motion generator basically so like as as the waves comes th- or i guess not a generator it's well i guess i guess a, a generator in the sense yeah. that it is generating power it is taking a a wave uh um see now we're going to get into physics and i'm going to get some stuff mixed up and some some random person is going to be like hey that's not how physics works. And I'm going to be like, Hey, I know I only studied it once. Uh, <laughs> but basically there, there's these machines that as the waves of the methane seas pass by them, uh, the wave motion is causing this piston to, to oscillate, uh, which is then creating it, the, the mechanism that it is oscillating is, is generating electricity for the, for the arcology and that's that's just part of that's and so that so that I, and i think you i think i say i think you're right obviously you're right um that very much shows how much of a man-made structure that is right because like if it was if it was like a terraform thing like i, I feel like they like either a there'd be no methane c there'd be land masses in places right like there wouldn't be yeah. you wouldn't have to worry about things like that but to see that that level of ingenuity of saying, Hey, there's a, the, you know, we're taking one form of energy, be that the, the wave energy itself, uh, the, and turning it into, um, the, the, what would, what would that be? Taking the potential energy of the wave that th- then gets put into kinetic energy of the movement of the pistons, which then transfers into electromagnetic, uh, energy, uh, to create, electricity for the uh create and see as soon as i knew as soon as i use the word create some <laughs> random guy is going to be like hey energy cannot be created or destroyed and i'll be like all right fine transferred from anyway yeah. see physics is physics is fun until you start talking to people who know physics and then they get all physicky about it uh but anyway, so that's 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 very much the the, the structure there, and 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 a, a, another neat little touch there that I always liked uh, when when I went there, I'd always look up in the skybox and look at Saturn, and you could see the remnants of the Battle of Saturn. Yeah, the the hole in the ring. The um, hole in the rings where the dreadnought sits. Um, yeah. It, and so, so my assumption, and and again, this is kind of like drawing conclusions. The dreadnought's still there. 
Oh, it absolutely is. It's just I mean, it's just a dead thing sitting there. Like it's like it's not like anyone's driving it anywhere. Right. Like it's just in orbit now as a piece of debris. Yeah. With a cabal ship shoved in it. And and maybe soon to be guardians resurfacing on it. Oh, fingers um, crossed. Fingers hopeful. crossed. Um we're all very hopeful for Witch Queen. Yes. Um <laughs> To, return to, to kingsfall uh off, slightly off topic uh no 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 the no. latest this all has to do with titan the latest teaser trailer for witch queen um oh, came shit. out a couple days ago i uh, missed it it was it was another one of the just like zoom in on the the you know conspiracy board and then uh cut a you know cut a dialogue or two and all, all the dialogue stuff we'd heard before Right. Um, it, it, they didn't show anything of of significance. You you think, okay. but when you go back and look, uh, one of the maps on the conspiracy board is of the dreadnought. God uh, dang it! Similar to how one of the maps in the very was Mars was was Mars from D one. Uh, God so, dang it! Yeah, it might might be nothing. Might be hint. I'm I'm hoping that it's it's. And they're going to give us something, but we'll see. I'm have to. I'm have to go find this thing now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so so uh, uh, Titan is is a moon of Saturn, and and it was it was not terraformed by the traveler, uh, but the traveler came really close to it at one point in time. Uh, I guess I guess multiple points in time uh, by way of it was terraforming uh, Io, which is a moon of Jupiter. Um, and uh, and this was fairly recently. I, I want to say it was maybe last year, maybe as, as recent as last year. Um, there was the, uh, um, I can't think what the actual scientific name for it. But I, th- I think it's called like the Great Conjunction or something like that, um, where Saturn and Jupiter in their orbits come super, super close to each other. And uh, you could actually see it like with the naked eye. Um, and then if you were a crazy person like me, you went and got your spotter scope uh, and set it up in the back of your, in the bed of your wife's truck. And you could actually see it, it was super faint, but you could totally see the rings of Saturn, Saturn itself, Jupiter and three moons of Jupiter, IO, um, Europa and uh, Galileo, the three, I believe they're the three biggest moons of Jupiter. And that was, that was a super, super cool experience to be able to see that and, and be able to relate that in game and go, Hey, I, you know, like that's, that's where we're going to in these places. This is super cool to see something like that. Yeah, no, you get the telescope out and you, you point it up there and you go, yep, right there is the hole in the rings of Saturn. Yep. Wait a minute. <laughs> totally there. It's totally, totally there. there. Uh, God dang it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, ruin, ruin my moment. I take it. No. Uh, so anyway, so the, the traveler uh, obviously uh, had gone to Io or gone to all these places and terraformed them. Uh, the, the first place that we had seen the traveler terraform at was Mars, right? Yes. Like that was, uh, that, that was the first place we had seen. Um, I believe it had terraformed planets prior to that. Right. Uh, which is what um, keyed off 
you know, humanity that like, hey, there's something out there doing things to the solar system. We should yeah. probably figure out a way to intercept it. Uh, and it's it's interesting to me that it's it's interesting to me that that like we didn't pick up on anything of the gravitational force of the traveler or or even see like with how much we watch the skies that we didn't see this 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 blip flying across the plate tiny the way it's it, tiny though by comparison I, like it it's roughly the size of a city of the last yeah, city it's it, uh, it i i can definitely agree with that like it's it's smaller than our moon mm-hmm. and and i mean for a celestial body it i don't i don't know if they would have been able to see it. pretty damn small like it's I mean, when you, you think of now when you look up in the sky and, and you're like, oh, hey, that's a star. But you don't think that, you know, the nearest star is, what, 167 million light years away or something like that? Was that Vega, Vega 1 or am I? Oh, I thought Alpha Centauri was the closest. Alpha Centauri, that's the closest. Yeah. Uh, technically the sun. Ha. But. That's, that's See, you, you can't, you can't, you can't. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can't have in, in astrophysics. You can't have a physics. You can't have in, 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 in astronomy, and astrology. I don't, whatever. You can't have those talks without one guy going, well, technically, blah, 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 blah. Um, one of these days, we'll actually get to the, the Crack and Mirror book. We will. I mean, eventually. <laughs> it's only been like, you know, 20 minutes since we started. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> God dang it, man! This is this is this is why I have you to keep me on track. Yeah, um, yeah. and to and to put you off track again, uh, the traveler oh, terraformed Jupiter, Mercury, and Venus prior to the Ares One mission. Um, it terraformed so it, Jupiter. It terraformed Jupiter, Mercury, and Venus before we met it on Mars. I don't know if we've ever actually been to Jupiter. We've never been to Jupiter. Oh, it terraformed Jupiter for that. That's what the timeline says. Terraformed Jupiter. We've only been here twenty minutes, and I've gotten my mind blown. Questioning, questioning life as as I know it. Um, I, I terraformed cannot... Jupiter. That that. That is what this timeline says. Now, I, I do not know what their source is on that. I was going to say, I'm, uh, I'm a little skeptical. pretty accurate with most of the other things. Let's see here. I'm, I'm going to stay a little skeptical. And while you research when the hell Jupiter was formed, I'm going to try to get back to Kraken Mare. You do that. <laughs> so, so the Traveler terraforms, apparently Jupiter, uh, Venus, Mercury, Mars, um, and, and then starts, starts, uh, at one point in time heads to IO and is, and is terraforming IO, uh, one of the moons of Jupiter. And, uh, uh, at, and, and at some point in time during this, during our golden age, we end up on Titan and, and we create, we as, as humanity build the arcology and the, and the, um, what is, what is, from my understanding, Kraken Mare is like the name of the entire um, colony there, right? Like that's it's it. It would be the equivalency of like Exodus Green, right? Like that Exodus Green was an entire colony ship, and and Kraken Mare is the entire the entirety of the colony on Titan, all you know, 
four biomes or however many it was of it um that we that we got to go visit uh during the the red war and up until the darkness took uh titan uh the darkness being bungee and sunsetting but anyway i found our source oh crap all right this is a ghost fragment from destiny one uh specifically ghost fragment human uh, it is from the diaries of Commander Jacob Hardy, pilot of the Ares One. Um, the relevant section reads, Now we go because we have to, because the unknown came to us. In 14 months, we'll be face to face with it, and by the time we arrive, it should be active again, just like it was active on Jupiter and Mercury and Venus. I wonder what well, happens shit. if it doesn't stop at Mars. Uh, now I'm seeing some, some, uh, commenters pointing out that, uh, Venus in this context may be the moons of Venus, not Venus itself. Uh, and why not? Or excuse me, Jupiter, the moons of Jupiter. Oh, okay. I I see. I see. Um, so because, but they, they don't say the moons of Jupiter, they say that it visited Jupiter, but well, and 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 the fact that it, it just says active, like we true, we don't know what active means. Like the, Although the fact that two of the three of those active planets were terraformed, basically. absolutely, and and the one they're going to in fourteen months will be at yeah. this one where it is active now, and and when we and and we see that in the in the opening scene of of Destiny One of of the the um um. The team, Ares One, right? Ares One, yep. Ares One, the team, uh, um, walk across Jupiter, or, or, or now you got me on that. Walk <laughs> across the 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 red uh, deserts of Mars and walk up to the Traveler, and and it's as they get up there, it's raining, and that doesn't happen on Mars. Like they, there's there's no atmosphere for there to be you know, weather patterns. So yeah, until, so there, it, was. until there was, um, which, and again, not to completely sidetrack from track crack and Mary, cause you know, we're all sorts of balls deep in this. Um, I, I have absolutely loved the most recent stuff they've been doing on Mars. Um, in, in, in our time and present day, uh, like to, to hear the recording, of mm-hmm. of the wind on Mars, like to see him flying their little helicopter drone around on Mars, like it, it's it's mind blowing. It's yeah. super cool, super super cool. Like it's just yeah. The the thought that 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 possibly well, there there's two thoughts that that come to my mind. Like I've I've always I've always been obsessed with with space and 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 uh planets and celestial bodies and 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 the great unknown um or as star trek would put it the final frontier uh that's um if we can get uh gene roddenberry to sponsor us i'd be super grateful um that's not gonna happen anyway uh Uh, but yeah, so I like I I've always been obsessed with, with stuff like that ever since I was a kid, and uh, um, to think that in my lifetime, a there for sure is going to be a moon 
like uh, a, a moon landing again. Blind mowing. My, blind mowing. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's it's <laughs> that's how you lose fingers and feet. It's true. <laughs> yes. Um, Don't mow the lawn <laughs> in the dark, kids. Oh. <laughs> so those those gaps in Zor's audio are just his mic not deciding to pick up anything above a certain frequency. Uh, that's the frequency at which I laugh. <laughs> so, let's let's take this opportunity. Uh, okay. So okay, that's good. Let's let's take this opportunity to uh bring ourselves back to the lore book we were supposed to be covering. Yes, um, yes. Um is the last days on Crack Last Days Mare, on Crack and Mare. Which takes uh, place on Titan. I don't know if we said that, but that's why we were talking about Titan. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 Not Mars. Not Mars. Like I, I, I know we went, we went way off topic, and it, we haven't even started. Like it's, we, we we're went doing, all around we're, the solar system. We're the best at this. Absolutely. Uh, uh, but yeah. So go. Uh, uh, did you want to go ahead and start us off there, then, Miss? Since yeah, sure. Um, I'm, I'm bad at keeping on track. <laughs> So I say what it starts us off kind of in the midst of events. Uh, this is not a lore book that gives you a nice like beginning leading up to, uh, you know, a, a traditional climax and resolution. It's a like a, you're just in the thick of it, seeing how the people in this book are, are dealing with things. Yeah. Um, so. This starts with, uh, again, the book is The Last Days on Kraken Mare. This is The Sixth Seal, Part One, which is the first chapter. It's real, Mia Vanderven decides. We evacuate. Citizens first, then the old guard. And we assume that we are never coming back. No one breathes. Down beneath their meeting table, pouches of farmed salmon, beef, Buttered carrots and bok choy drift in the slow turbulence of the sous vide bath. On Mia's 100th anniversary as the new Pacific Systems and Facilities Administrator, she cashed in all her favors and installed a pocket restaurant beneath her table at the command deck. She liked the edible metaphor, the idea of watching your food slow cook all day before the meal. Savor the future you're making. If she's right about what's happening now, then there'll be no more long-term thinking, no more patience, and maybe no future at all. She waits for Xenia to boil over first. Xenia's the water ocean expert. She has the most to lose. Finch tiny Xenia McCaig slams her fist down with not a tenth the strength that her chimp-spliced muscles could summon. Now... Now? We can't leave now. We just finished the borehole. We're one day from a crude expedition into Titan's biggest secret, and you want us to just leave it all? 
I do, Maya says sadly. Mari Yamashita, her lead diver, leaps in with the details she can always trust him to catch. Boss, if we abandon the borehole and the water lock, all the equipments down there bathing in liquid methane, hydrogen sulfide, carboxylic acid, leave it too long and we'll lose everything. There are almost 3 million people on this arcology and its rigs. Connectivity supervisor Ismail Baratz Zenshura. These names. Training. Yeah. They, distills. I mean, it's real, real quick, not to completely break you off topic. They've got people from all over, every, everywhere. Like every this, this, culture, every ethnicity, every everything. This, this is truly like a, a, the world of tomorrow, right? Like the, any, anyway. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. There are almost 3 million people on this arcology and its rigs. Connectivity supervisor Ishmael training distills his attention down to a single laser bright point. He is here with Mia, even as his brain drifts on a hundred different data feeds. If you're serious about evacuating, we'll need to slot people into SMILE as an acronym, S-M-I-L-E, pods and move them as bulk freight. It's the only way to get the population out. There'll be economic damage. There'll be deaths. If this is a false alarm, it's not a false alarm, the good man says. This voice Mia didn't expect, but only because he's the newest guest at her table. David Miguel Korosek, a man who's literally never harmed a fly, who won't eat plants lest he destroy a sacred entropy pump. Poor David. He came here to make first contact with new life, the wonders that flourish not in Mia's ocean, the methane sea of Titan, but in the enormous water world that lies below the Titan's 50-kilometer ice shell. He is an ethicist. He wanted to help them do it right. Xenia crosses her arms. Her recumbent muscles make lean knots at the shoulder anchors where her bones are more than bone. How do you know? Coruscant gives her his full attention, respecting her question. He is a tall, graceful, dark-eyed man with lashes so thick he seems like he's wearing permanent eyeliner. Mia remembers something from his book about cognitive empathy. Show that you have made a model of their thought. Show that you have listened to it. He responds. Since I don't have any more information than you, how could I possibly be so certain? Yes, Xenia says impatiently, that's what I asked. He holds her gaze. Mia thinks he may have annoyed her, but also that he knows that he's done nothing wrong. The AIs who issued the evacuation order use a hammer-forged extrapolation of human morality. It is tested in trillions of simulations under the wildest circumstances imaginable to be sure their moral decisions agree with human values. They're not just rationality pumps. They care. They care the way a perfect human being with the infinite compassion of all things would care. They couldn't issue an evacuation unless it was right. This is not a false alarm. So, this is real, an interesting Real quick, is... Z- Zinya? Z- Z- Zyana? Zinya? I, I, 
I have no idea. I just they, picked one and went with it. <laughs> yeah, these are hard. Like these are genuinely hard names to, to try to to try to come up with a pronunciation for. Um, is she, is she non-human? That's what it sounds like. Or she's enhanced because they refer to her. Yeah, right here. Uh, they say Finch Tiny Zenya McCaig slams her fist down with not a tenth the strength that her chimp spliced muscles could summon. So uh, I think so she's literally like as strong as a, I mean, that, that, that level of strength is she's biogenetically engineered is what it, yeah. what it sounds like. Um, they have gotten to the point uh, in, in this time period of, of human history that they are actively splicing human body parts, human genetics with that of animals uh, to get, you know, a desired result. Closest we've come in, in present day is transplanting a pig kidney. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, granted, we, we don't have whatever golden age mumbo jumbo tech these guys do. I want some uh, of this golden age mumbo jumbo tech. <laughs> sign me up. Uh, and they, they also say, uh, Trying to trying to find it here. Where like her shoulders is not a shoulder. Here we go. Uh, Zenya crosses her arms. Her recumbent muscles make lean knots at the shoulder anchors, where her bones are more than bone. So, so it's, it's got to be like like cybernetics. Like it like to yeah, me that that's it. That says that goes beyond just uh, splicing. I think it's the both. strength of a right. Right. It's it's got to be both. Well, it's probably they had. If you're going to do that and make the muscles that much stronger, you have to reinforce the skeletal structure Absolutely. in some way. Absolutely. Um, and, and we know that, that there, are, there are, I mean, like, like Anna Bray and her eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Like her eyes are not human eyes. Those are clearly cybernetic implants. When, when, we, when it shows her eyes doing the, where it's showing all the calculations and, and showing the stuff throughout the, the war mind uh intro cinematic i mean she's clearly not like she's not just looking at things like it's it's she's having readouts and stuff read out in her eyes and in her eyesight so like cybernetics is not a a fully unknown thing here like it's it, it, no definitely it's not. definitely happening across all of humanity yeah uh i find this really interesting some of the details we get about titan uh specifically so they're they're implying um uh when they talk about this this david character uh he came here to make first contact with new life the wonder not uh the wonders that flourish not in mia's ocean the methane sea of titan but in the enormous water world that lies below titan's 50 kilometer ice shell so it sounds like it's methane ocean that's sitting on a huge like ice mantle it, and it could and be below, it could be methane ice right and then below that is a, another a ocean water like a, a an actual like h2o ocean or they refer well, to and, they, and the fact that they refer to it as water like that's right like that's absolutely like there's some there the methane ice layer whatever that ice layer is made of and then h2o yeah, and then moon somewhere down in there. 
And I'm assuming based on the context clues, the borehole that they were talking about, that they were just that like they were just the next day going to explore is probably a drill through that ice shell into what that actual ocean is. Um, Which we we never see anything like that in in game. Uh, No, kind of interesting to think about that's kind of double layered oceans <laughs> yeah so it's 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 interesting too because like uh um uh pluto uh our little buddy uh it, it has white um snow-capped mountains but there, it's not snow in the sense that it's water it's all methane snow it's it's all frozen mm-hmm. methane so it's it's interesting to me to 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 think that titan being as far out as it is and obviously Pluto being infinitely more far out than Titan um, for Titan to be able to have some sort of non frozen methane on it and Pluto to be just completely frozen methane. Well, if we're going to draw a comparison um, to something that we, we have here on, on earth, I, there's uh Lake Superior of the Great Lakes that you reach a certain depth and it is permanently frozen. Um, but everything above that depth is still really open. yep. Uh and that's that would be something that that's kind of how I envision it is something similar to that, where like you go beyond a certain depth and it's just it is it's just I yeah frozen by nature of how deep it is. Sure. Sunlight can't penetrate it. So the, so the heat from the, from, from that can't, can't get to it to, to interesting. I, that's, I, boom, speechless. Uh, don't, don't go diving in superior. It's not, that's what I'm curious. (laughs) Like, have people gone diving in, in Lake superior to, to, like experience that like i think i feel like that's like a super cool well i think it's one of those things where if you if you dive to the depth that you would need to without you know assistance of a machine of some sort um to get to that frozen bit like you're you didn't live right <laughs> you freeze to death like, uh, but be, i, be I it, have to of, of there's been drones and things temperature uh, they, or of yeah because they, they've just the crushing weight of the water like right um, right but yeah, so mind blowing. That's so, it's, yeah, no, that's super cool. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, another thing I wanted to I wanted to point out here too. Uh, so this first entry is called the sixth seal. Mm-hmm. Are we? It, it, is there any significance in that? Other, like, in my head, I think of it as like you know, like the the sixth seal of hell has been broken type thing. Like that's. That's what it in, in my head. That's what it translates to. But I don't know that that has any type of correlation. I there. I assume that this is a biblical reference, um, specifically. And I looked this up. I do not have this memorized. Uh, specifically, what I found was a reference to the seven seals of God. Yeah. Um, or the uh, the seven symbolic seals. I. Uh, that secure the book or scroll that John of uh, Patmos saw in an apocalyptic vision. The opening of the seals uh, occurred in Revelation chapter five through eight and marks the second coming 
and the beginning of the apocalypse. Uh, so so yeah. then I so this is absolutely a, a reference to that. Yeah, because uh, because it, the the whole thing like we really don't have a clue what the hell they're talking about throughout this entire part one, but they're talking about an evacuation of of the entirety of Titan, which yes. I mean the only time that There's you talk millions about millions of people, right? And the only time you talk about that level of evacuation, that this AI that literally doesn't know how to be wrong, like it, 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 it at the bottom when they talk about it, it, it is right. Right is capitalized. So I'm assuming there's a set of laws that govern. It, it mm-hmm. has a set of moral laws that, that govern its thinking um, as far as an AI, which is just genuinely terrifying and dangerous. Uh, but it, it issues this evacuation order because it sees the end of days like it it this ai sees something bad is happening and everyone needs to get off of titan now so i i want to i want to read a, a little blurb um of the passage relating to the sixth seal in particular because i think there's a very specific reason why they chose that as the title um ooh, ooh. and when you i'm excited if, when you read it it's it's not a it's not a mind-blowing moment i'm sorry i oh just, damn it really sets the stage for the kind of catastrophe this could be. Um, okay. So the, this is, this is that just that section it says, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood and the stars of the heavens fell onto earth. So. Do this. Like, earthquake blocking out the sun the moon turning red the stars falling like it it, it not a good time and that kind of imagery being portrayed to this future disaster that's being warned about on titan i think fits quite well considering what happens absolutely well and 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 I've I've only ever fully read the, the the entirety of the Bible once, and if you want just a genuinely fucky read, go read Revelations. <laughs> that that go go take a Saturday and do that. It that's a that's a whole another topic. Anyway, yes, on a podcast that we're not going to be on because I don't want to deal with those people. I'm not dealing with that shit. We're sticking to Destiny lore, and that's what we're sticking to. We can we can philosophize. Philosophize? Is that? Is, that's like a falafel, right? Like a like a falafelize. Like a falafel is deep fried garbanzo beans. So no. I, lo- I love I love the the most the accuracy there. A falafel is deep fried garbanzo. Like <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Thank you, Myth. <laughs> You're welcome. You're the best. I live I live very close to a Mediter- Mediterranean restaurant. I I have a lot of experience with falafel. Yeah, absolutely. Uh yeah, no, that's yeah, you're not <laughs> you're not wrong. Um so that's that's really all we have as as part of uh the six seal part one. Like it's it, we know yep. there's a huge evacuation. They have these smile pods, which I'm I'm assuming there's some sort of uh uh cryogenic freezing yeah. or something like that. Like when they're it, talking about transporting them as cargo, as like freight, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That that to me says says cryogenics, which that's not anything new to to the Destiny universe. Like 
most of the Exodus green was mm-hmm. in cryo uh, when it when it got attacked uh, by the darkness, which oddly enough is, I guess, Around happening. The same time. Had, yeah, it's happening about the same after. time that this is happening. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that leads us to part two. Yep. So this is the sixth seal part two. Uh, everyone has had their say. Mia puts her hand down on the cold tabletop. We are going to evacuate. Xenia, call Babatunde and get the Duker up from the borehole. I want them moored in the submarine pen in three hours. We'll start potting citizens in the domes, then use local blue water shipping to haul them out for orbital pickup. She likes to call the surface ships blue water, even though Titan's oceans aren't water or blue. It reminds people that she's old-fashioned. Then we evacuate the ship crews. Then we go. Ishmael opens his mouth to say something. She will remember afterward the way all the fine hairs of his immaculate beard wisped off each other in that last instant before it happened. An alert detonates in her sensorium. And when everyone else at the table, except Ishmael, flinches in surprise, Mia knows that she has just watched a history bomb detonate, a blast of irreversible change. Sabanala, Ishmael says, which is his third language, Arabic. Wow. I guess it's not a false alarm, Mari Yamashita murmurs. The alert scrolls through Mia's mind in that hallucinatory screen space that matches but never impairs normal vision. Traveler departs Io, terraforming incomplete, accelerating toward Earth, behavior unprecedented. Sometimes, Maya thinks she can feel the new Pacific arcology moving beneath her, as if the flex of the 160-meter substructure of plasteel and spin metal that anchors new pack to the ice shell is also a flex in her sinews. Maybe, like Xenia, her bones are more than bones, too. And whenever that happens, she thinks, gasoline rains from the sky here, and it is negative 180 degrees Celsius outside, and no matter how comfortable we grow, life is tenuous, human life especially. And now, it's going to end. She says to her crew that she will, what she will say to the mayor. We've got to get everyone off this city. Wherever the traveler is going, that's where it's safe. When she looks to David Korosek, who made his name as the good man by proposing humanity's best and most rigorous theory of the traveler's morality, the traveler will protect us no matter what happens. Correct? David looks back at her with the heartbreakingly, heartbreaking honesty of a child. Yes, he says. It can't do anything else. Holy cow. So like it's, it's there's, there's a level of realism there, right? Like there's just like, they're all mid speech. They're all like deciding, okay, is this a real evacuation? Is this a real thing? And then all of a sudden, boom, tr- yeah. alert, alert comes through, plays scrolls and in, in on the, uh, essentially the same thing that, that I was describing with uh, uh, mm-hmm. Mara's eyesight. It just scrolls there in front of them to where only they can see it. And it's, it's all, it basically everyone has a miniature TV yep. planted in their, in their eyes. Um, that the traveler is is booking it from Io, like 
Yeah, and the the way that they describe this, um, I can only imagine, you know, similarly, uh, similar tone or feeling to when you try and think about like the the dropping of the first atomic bomb or absolutely um, something that maybe is is more relatable to to people in in our age group. Um, you know, when news of of nine eleven, absolutely, like that just just that. That, that, that level of event. like what what the hell is happening and it it's funny that you mentioned you you mentioned specifically 911 because i i remember uh i mean every, it's 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 like any other event right like like everyone remembers where they were when jfk was shot like everyone remembers like there there's certain events in time in history that you will never forget where you were like i mean i i could see all of it like it was yesterday type thing and i i remember I was I was in English class and it was it was fifth period, uh, which meant it was a blue day. Which I mean, the, the fact that I can remember like it, well, it was a blue or gold day, right? Like it, and 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 uh, um, somebody had come by and 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 said something, and they they just told her to, they told everyone to turn their turn the TVs on in the room, and of course we turned it on and, and it's on the news channel, and and literally as we turn it on, we're watching the second plane fly into the building, into the second building. And so it's, it's, it's this level of like, what the hell are we watching? What is going on? What is happening? Like everyone's just trying to figure everything out as it's happening. And, and every, every once in a while I, I find myself uh, going back and, and watching some of those old videos, uh, you know, nine 11 as it happened type thing. And, and it's, it's, it's these surreal feelings, right? Like, like even, even though like, I mean, obviously for, for those of us that weren't physically there, it, it's a totally different experience than from those that were physically there. Like that's, you know, like that's to them, that's even more, more surreal. Like that's like, right. you know, and, right. and so, so this, this event of, you know, travel, IO uh, traveler departing IO. Like it's, it's this like, like everyone at that table is going to know exactly where they were at that moment. Yeah. It's that they, they describe it well here. That's I, Mia knows she just watched a history bomb detonate. Yeah. A blast of irreversible change. It's those moments where you know the world is now different. Yes. Yes. Uh, and 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 in in this sense, the universe is different. Yes. Like since mm-hmm. we're since we're further out than just, you know, like like they're on Titan right now. And and this is happening across the entire solar system that this message is being broadcast to. I that's yeah. I find it interesting as well. Here they mention the uh, this David character. Um, he proposed humanity's best and most rigorous theory of the traveler's morality. The traveler will protect us no matter what happens. I. How 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 did we arrive at this conclusion? Like, because we we know we've who the hell is this no guy way. that was just like, hey, the traveler will protect us, and everyone we've was had... just like, oh yeah, you know you the travel yeah 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 the traveler will protect us yeah yeah why not why why the fuck not like so my my initial thought here a is like how the fuck do you know um <laughs> like the speaker the speaker doesn't even know <laughs> like how the fuck do you know. But the other thing, the 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 way that I can um, maybe reason to myself that that he came to this conclusion uh, comes from the the first chapter uh, in the Six Seal Part One, 
where he's talking about the morality of AI. And if, yeah. if he is under the assumption that the traveler is nothing but a giant complex alien AI, um, then perhaps he co he's come to the conclusion that they, that AI has only ever shown that it does things in the best interest of humanity. And so that must be its programming. And so that must be the only thing that it knows how to do. Interesting. Cause uh, we, that's, that's one thing that we've never figured out is why the traveler came to soul system. Right. Now, the only thing unique about the soul system is humanity. But the same thing could be said about, you know, the the home world of the Elixni or even the the fundament, right? Like the, so the the high the only thing unique to fundament is the hive, right? Like that's Yeah, I, I'm I don't subscribe to the the belief that I I just described that David might be under that that's my explanation of how he may have come to the reasoning that like sure the traveler will protect us that is a that is a truth um i don't think that's accurate i don't think the traveler is is just a an alien ai i think there's a lot more than that oh abs absolutely um, however i do think it came to the soul system i don't think it came to the soul system for a reason i think it stayed for a reason and, and what I mean by that is we have seen it uh, on Fundament. It did not interact with the Krill as far as we know, but it was there. Um, right. It was just it was circling as the what, the 53rd moon? Yeah. Uh, it did interact Which, with. Okay, the OK, so so for a second there. How did this this thing, this traveler is just I mean, we also talked about how it being a celestial body being a like a significantly smaller celestial body than anything else out there. Like, I mean, like yeah. our, our smallest planet in this solar system is Mercury. And we even have obviously smaller planets than that being Nessus and, and, and Pluto. And this thing is smaller than those. And, and how does, how does this thing, how is this thing a moon of another world? Well, there's there's a lot of ambiguity there. We don't know. That like maybe it just moon in the fact that it orbited. Uh, oh, okay. Or it I... could have had a very close orbit to make it, you know, appear large in the sky, but not or or oh. large-ish in the sky, but not necessarily uh, of the size of of a moon as we know it. Sure. Um, or it could just be that, you know, gameplay, you know, it's it's a fantasy universe. The traveler can change its size because it needs to. Uh, hey, no, sir. We are not approaching any of this lore with any type of because video game mumbo jumbo. Because video game. This is uh, a scientific podcast. <laughs> Damn it. I can't even... Part. I can't even say that with a statement. <laughs> uh, but, but we approach so everything here with go, science. Let's go fact. back to let's go back to my my original point. Um, I don't think the traveler sought the soul system out in particular. I think it's been hopping systems searching for a race that fit the bill that humanity did sure which is 
the ability not to you not just use the light as a tool, but to actually have the light inhabit them. Yeah. Yep. Uh, because you know the Elixni for for all their great invention and light through the splicer gauntlets and and their technology of the time, uh, were still very much mortal. They were not quote unquote blessed with the light in the way that we are. Right. And I think the traveler knows that it it essentially needs an immortal army to stand against the just the the swarms of the those allied to the dark right well and and because the those allied to the dark are inherently immortal like that they do when we when when we think of when we think of like the hive like we're not we can't truly kill a hive unless if it's in their own ascendant plane right like that's we can't truly kill an ascendant hive ascendant hive that's that's a better that's a better way because we kill hive all the time we i mean hell i killed 30 heads off thrall yeah right that's that's a no-brainer ha <laughs> ha get it pop the heads ha. off Zora's <laughs> uh... gone again Zora's <laughs> gone again um shit so... <laughs> Uh yes. Uh <laughs> so the next the next chapter in this book is called the Tenth Avatar, which surprise surprise is another apocalypse uh reference. Yep. And say um this time to a Hindu god, uh which also goes to show I think maybe some of the like cultural influences happening on Titan. Absolutely. Uh, that's and that's that's where I think of like this is this is the this I don't say the true future of humanity, but this this is this is to me humanity looking at itself or even acting acting it, it itself is acting as a bigger what what would you, what would you describe it as like a greater so than the gonna, sum of its parts type thing? I'm going to use a very uh, a very elementary term here. Um, and th- this is something that was pointed out to me actually in elementary school uh, that always stuck with me. So we always heard America referred to as the melting pot. Right. Uh, you know, it's where all these different cultures and people came to and mixed together. And the, the term was meant in a, in a you know, positive light. Right. Um, and I, I had a, a teacher at the time that pointed out that that's, Melting pot assumes that everything reaches a point of conformity, that everything loses its identity to become all the same thing. Ooh. Uh, and so they they argued that the more accurate term, uh, as silly as it sounds, is that you know America, in this case, the the destiny world, uh, is just a giant fruit salad. Yeah. Everything still has its own identity, but it all has to coexist and mix together and, you know, bump into each other and, uh, you know, deal with being part of a whole, but they do not lose who they themselves are. And I feel like this 
is a very good representation of of that. Kind yeah. Of thing. And but, there's there's tomatoes in this fruit salad, right? It's a fruit. I mean, I won't judge. Is there, is there pumpkins in this fruit salad too? <laughs> Why the hell not? <laughs> is there, is there strawberries in this fruit salad? They are a fruit. They're just a weird fruit. So <laughs> you you can be the strawberries, or I'll be the strawberry. <laughs> you can you can be the tomato to my peppers. <laughs> I can't even. I can't um, even. So, so the tenth avatar. The tenth avatar. Tenth avatar uh, seems to refer to the tenth avatar, Kelki. Um, which is described in uh, in the the Hindu faith as riding a white horse with a sword drawn and blazing like a comet, uh, appearing at the end of the present epoch. So, so very, another, very much like another the equivalency of, of the kinda, yeah, like a four horsemen of the apocalypse type thing. That's that's my very uneducated in Hinduism take. Yeah, sure. Um, so. But the tenth avatar, the military dropships pierce the nitrogen clouds like bullets. Plasma thick trick shots through the evacuation fleet, swarming over Titan. By the time Ishida, I'm not gonna try that one. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> but yeah, by the time Ishida has calmed down the panic and traffic control, there's nothing left for Mia to do except pace around the edge of her office in irritation and fire civil airspace protests at the intruders. They reply in terse code. Her office copies the military messages straight to her sensorium. New pack, this is crown six on a zero zero for your dorsal airlock. Do not deviate your traffic. Send a civilian liaison to the lock. Over. Heck darned military trying to just justify their existence, Mia grumbles. She's been pathologically unable to swear since her great-grandkids. The presence of a famous ethicist at her side does not, doesn't loosen her up. You're right, Korosek paces with her at the safe three steps inside her turn. He seems like a man comfortable at any distance. If they just came into the traffic pattern like any other ship, they would be admitting that their precision and urgency are unnecessary. So, this... Some American you are, Mia teases. David comes from the North American Empire, Earth's biggest voluntary retro-nationalist republic, full of people who love military pageantry and regular aerospace displays. Ouch. He smiles right. with those huge, laughing, haunted eyes. I wasn't always the good man, you know. Do you mind when people call you that? Thank you for asking. I hate it. <laughs> but I like the idea that people can believe in a good person. If they believe in one, they can believe in more. His laugh reaches more than his eyes this time, soft and confident. You would never know he was thinking constantly and acutely about the idea of right and how he could satisfy it. May I ask you a favor? Of course. I want to be with you when you meet the soldiers. She looked at him in surprise. You want to liaise with the military? No offense, David, but you don't see but you seem like a rough fit. I knew her. Who? The woman on the radio, Crown Six. Two centuries of practice tell Mia there's heartbreak behind that voice. Before she was uploaded. 
uploaded. She's an exo now, a troubleshooter for Soul Soul Second. Well, Mia says that'll be a weird re. The drop ships come down so fast, Mia is sure they'll crash, plunge into the methane sea, and sink like uranium bricks. She watches by cortical video as they make their blindingly bright suicide burns, flesh peeling 30G decelerations de into an arrogantly precise hover five meters above the archive dome. Dark metal figures leap from the dropships. Naked in Titan's flash freeze cold and untroubled by 1.6 atmospheres of pressure. A drizzle of gasoline rain slick, slicks their alloy skin. They move with inhuman efficiency. I don't believe it. Mia shakes her head at the absurdity of the universe. Like we need transhuman infantry to evacuate a city. She heads for the door and elevator, but Ziana McCaig, Ishmael and Mari are blocking the way. I know, Mia says, holding up her hands. You refuse to leave. You're staying here with me. You want to see, save everything you can. Xenia, who secretly wanted to impress her, fallen. Dear Mari's diver instinct of never leaving your buddy puffs him up with pride. Puffs, puffs up with pride. She trusts him. Ishmael makes a small, satisfied sound, as if his prediction just came true. He probably just won a bet with Xenia. <laughs> Come on, Maya hugs her wayward children. Come here, you awful kid. I knew you wouldn't leave because I'm not going to leave either. I want you all to go to the Crisis Command and get your staff set up. Ishmael, let's assume we're going to lose the satellite. Get all the weather for forecasts you can. Titan's surface and circum-Saturn space. Maori, try to figure out what exactly is about to hit us. Zinya, check on the Duker, then help Ishmael switch everything you can to local management. On the way to the dorsal airlock, Mia flicks through camera feeds, statistics, telemetry, watching and watching over the evacuation effort. Not so long ago, a few million frightened people would have been an administrator's worst nightmare. But not these days. Titan's citizens have grown up with game theory and applied community ethics. It's as unthinkable to beg for a priority evacuation as it would be to ask for an old man's seat on the tram. The families of rig workers and shipping tycoons wait side by side for their tickets to be called, for their bodies to be processed into cold sleep pods and loaded by the thousands. All equally silent, equally delicate, equally helpless. Mia gets a chill. She doesn't know why she's so certain that it's over now, this calm, enlightened goodness, this collective decency. But she is. You're scared? David asks quietly. quietly. Not scared for myself. For everything. For what we've built. We built it well, David assures her. This is when we'll be our best. Very, very much that surreal. Yeah. Like I, it in my head, I, <clears throat> I can see the, you know, the these these very arrogant, <laughs> militaristic <laughs> uh, 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 ships just coming, 
balls screaming from the so, atmosphere. Yeah. So there, there's a there's a um, <laughs> there's a thing uh, called a tactical takeoff and a tactical landing, and uh, I have I have been what would you call that privy to the to this? Um, it's it, I was I was in a C one thirty, which is a, a, a cargo ship or a cargo plane uh, um, used by the by the army uh, and air force and marines and you know pretty much all military. Um, but uh, it's a it's a it's a it has four prop engines, uh, so propeller four propeller engines, uh, and it typically can hold. Uh, uh, you, it's it's big enough that you could park a couple of Humvees inside of it. Right, like you could you could comfortably um, strap down like four or five Humvees. Mm. Uh, not quite big enough that you could put like a whole Chinook in there, but you know, big big enough to fit some Humvees in there. And this this is what we use to 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 travel from fob to fob uh, uh, in Iraq. And uh, if there's ever a time where we're coming into a hot zone or out of a hot zone, they do one of these tactical takeoffs or tactical landings. And when you, when you, when you fly commercial uh, airlines, you, you have this nice smooth transition from, you know, zero feet to 18,000 feet. You know, and it, it takes a good hot second to get all the way up to 18,000 feet. A tactical takeoff, you go from zero feet to 30,000 feet in three seconds. <laughs> it, it is literally straight up in a non-pressurized airplane. <laughs> and it fucking sucks. <laughs> it the, opposite like it. Of, the opposite of that is also true. It's called a tactical landing. And you go from 30,000 feet to zero feet in three seconds. And your stomach ends up in your throat, as does all of your blood. <laughs> and it is not very mm -hmm. fun at all. Um, but I could just imagine that. Um, that, 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 you know, these ships just coming in, just like, I mean, just balls to the wall. And obviously, whatever's jumping out of them, I'm assuming are exos. Yeah, it, I think it has to be exos. They're There's no way. Metallic skin, and they're jumping out, you know. They say naked. I don't know if they just mean without protection uh, right. in the middle of like, you know, this negative 180 degree methane gasoline rain environment. Um, in in 1.6 yeah. atmospheres. So, atmosphere. so, so that so so the normal pressure of our of Earth's atmosphere is 15 pounds per square inch, correct? Sure, I'd have to look it up. I, one in one AU, <laughs> one AU. Yes, yeah. All right, smartass. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you, you see what I'm? You see what I mean when we start talking physics? You can't do it. Nobody can do it. They've always got a fucking answer for everything. It's bullshit, but it's the correct answer, and it's it drives you up the wall. What AU? Fuck you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure AU is literally stated. atmospheric unit. So yeah, yeah, smart. Uh, so I looked it up. Yeah, fourteen point seven pounds per square inch. So fifteen. So yeah. Fifteen pound. Fifteen psi is the is Earth's atmosphere. So this is one point six times that. 
So think of it as, as like being like underwater type thing, right? Like the, the further you go underwater, the pressure of the water pressure builds, yeah. the pressure builds as you, the further down you go. And, and this is 1.6 times the normal earth's atmosphere. So, so you, you would not be able to move as, as efficiently as you do in, or no, I, I can't say efficiently cause that's not the right term, but you wouldn't be able to move as, as easily as you could on earth um, on Titan, right? Like Titan is very much, it would take you a lot more physicality, a lot more strength and, and time and, yeah. and energy to, to move. Whereas these things are literally just pour Like it's like ants pouring out of a, yeah. out of a ant hill, right? Like they're just hauling balls across the, the, the dome of the arcology. And to, to put it in perspective uh, in a way that might be a, a little easier to, to try and, and, you know, understand uh, if you were 180 pounds, if you weighed 180 pounds on earth uh, on Titan, you would be 288 pounds. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not that, you know, clearly there are people on earth that weigh 280 plus and they still move around and do th- within reason. Uh, but then they but, on Titan would be like 400 something. Uh, right. And exos especially are metal. So right. exos coming in are probably like four or five hundred easily. And so, you know, add on to that. And even with that addition, uh, you know, they're they're moving like there's no problem. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. If a, if an exo is 500 pounds on Titan, uh, 500 pounds on Earth on Titan, they're 800. So they're like almost half a ton. Yeah. And they're unfazed. Moving around like it's nothing. Yeah. Like it's a like it's a day in the rain. Uh but this is like I, throughout this entire thing, like it, it shit is shit is hitting the fan. Like this this is happening so fast. Like this in some of the other lore books that we've that we've looked at, there's been like days in between entries. This is like this minutes. Is all, yeah, boom, boom, boom between entries like we're we're we we just got through entry number three and this this can't be more than half an hour from the very the very beginning of the entry of of the evacuation order has been has been issued about hey we need to evacuate they did their sounds like a vote of some sort and now they're doing the evacuation immediately after the results of that vote and these ships come screaming down out of the sky full of you know, military exo. Um, I do. I do love that. Uh, we kind of have a, a a a peek into the um. What would you call it? The the golden age, uh, world. Because she talks about uh, the North American Empire. Yeah, first yeah. biggest voluntary little... retro naturalist republic, retro full of people who love republic. military pageantry and muscular aerospace displays. So what that tells me is that in however many hundreds of years of golden age tech, America hasn't changed much. Hasn't changed one GD bit. We're still a bunch of arrogant assholes. (laughs) Say at least we know we're good at it. At least, yeah, we 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 found something we're good at, and we stick to it. but yeah, so and and then each of these department heads are, are like 
obviously like this this whole thing with titan has all just been kind of like one giant experiment right like this yeah mm-hmm. it, it it's it there there was never a reason to terraform titan there was never a reason for for anything to be there they just happen to know that that there's an ice shelf and then there's stuff underneath it and that they want to go play in it and and that's just the human curiosity right like that's the just you know what for it, exploration yep the what is what is the unknown what how do how do i how do i get to the unknown and um and and each one of these department heads have have different things that they're in charge of and so she's like you know issuing orders hey you go take care of your stuff get that stuff switched over to local you know, you'd go over here, make sure these guys are doing their things, make sure all the gear is set up, make get it all into the into the sub pins in three hours. Like I want everything, you know, pop, 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 pop. Let's go. Um, say basically save as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Let's get the hell out of here. So So that leads us into the next entry here, which is titled Faces Like Shields. And this is not a direct apocalypse reference like the other three. Um, however, I, I see this more as a symbolic reference to, uh, exos being unreadable. Um, you know, they don't have body language like a, a normal, you know, flesh right. and blood human would. They don't, they um, don't have skin. They don't have like the eye twitches, the, yeah, the quirks, so the quirks of a smile or the, yeah. They are by, by nature of what they are, they are a very guarded individual to try and, and have a discussion with, um, is, is kind of how I read into it. So, uh, and the XO, uh, take kind of take a, a front front roll for this card. So, uh, it goes Mia Vanderven is old. Change comes faster these days and you live to see more of it. Changes like Ishmael being allowed to to pray not in the real direction of Mecca, but in the direction Mecca would be if it were transposed from Earth to Titan. Changes like the rise and fall and rise again of the Bray cult of personality, like the new world's traveler opens up, like the new world's the traveler opens up to humanity, and changes like the woman who calls herself Crown Six. She has the compact, endomorphic build of someone's mom a shape that would be disarmingly ordinary if it were not rearmed by glowing eyes, empty sunken cheeks, a thickly armored jaw, and a bare scalp studded with needled sensors. The petrol stink of Titan's atmosphere washes off her, mingled with the clean, astringent bite of airlock spray. Like all Exos, she was once a person, someone who gave up her flesh for the tenuous immortality of a war body. Mia unfairly thinks she looks like an angry mannequin. Welcome to New Pacific Arcology, Mia says. Far beneath them, the lights of the residential stacks dim and flicker out as people report to their potting stations. Information kiosks flare up in distant blue, flashing directions to the lost. A vacuum robot scurries along the catwalk behind them. Administrator Vanderveen. The woman says with careful consideration, thank you for your welcome. She turns back to collect some item of equipment. An etiquette flash blinks in the air beside her, totally unpersonalized. is just the standard warning against substrate chauvinism. Hi, Morgan. David Korosek says with a softness Mia has never heard before. A softness not meant for her ears. Are you happier? It's as if he's waited a long, 
long time to ask that. Crown Six looks up in very human surprise. David, she says guardedly, tell me you're not still an ethicist? Sorry, Morgan. Still me. Then I'm not speaking to you, the Exo says and turns to Mia. Administrator Vanderveen, I'm here under Soul Seconds Special Security Protocol for Extreme Crisis. I must ask for your compliance and all possible assistance with our mission. An eight-legged crate walks out of the airlock behind her, shepherded by two more silent exos. The beast of burden proffers body armor and firearms, not just blist rifles or restraint spiders, but actual lethal bullet-shooting guns. No, Mia says with more heat than she intends, but not more than she feels. I won't allow you inside with deadly weapons. This is a legally autonomous settlement, chartered under... Morgan points a bladed hand at her. The symbolic gesture of violence alone is shocking enough to cut Mia's sentence short. Administrator Vanderveen, there is a Carhigh White emergency in effect. As an AI comm operative, as an AI comm operative, I have the right to use force where and how I see fit. So if you don't get me where I need to go and help me remove any obstacle to my goal, I will realign you with my mission. She cocks her head. It's very human. Am I clear? Are you threatening to shoot me? Mia stares at the exo woman in disbelief. She hasn't seen a gun in nearly 50 years, and now they're not only coming into her habitat, they're also pointed at her. I won't shoot you, the needles of Morgan's scalp glitter, but I will tell you that I could if I found it necessary. This is wrong, David barks. I know you, Morgan. Believe in sacrosanct human will, in the primacy of informed individual agents, and the need for powerful actors to obtain consent. The person I knew would never... The person you knew might have time for this conversation, Morgan says, with vicious remove. The pronoun dance suggests shared personal history that Mia has no business asking or caring about. I don't. Administrator, my team will now proceed to Shannis Pell's lab to secure our objective. If you're with me, maybe it gets done faster. If not, maybe it gets done messier. Your choice. Of course. Of course, it's about Shannis Pell. Who else? A silent alarm throbs in Mia's sensorium, like a snake coiling around her wrist. Down in the residential blocks, one of her citizens has lifted one too many boxes and manifested pre-symptoms of a heart attack. EMTs are on the way, so it probably won't be the day's first death. Probably. Life burns so easily. It's her job to stand up to those who forget that. I'll escort you to the lab, she says. May I assume that you're interested in containing some data at the Pell Lab? Should I close our airspace? We are in the middle of, you'll do nothing, Morgan says. Confidently, but incorrectly, I'm killing all of your satellite uplinks except for text and basic flight telemetry. Who ordered this, Mia demands. On what grounds can Solsec impose some high-handed protocol on my arcology? Morgan does not make the obvious correction. Not who ordered this, but what.
Wow. <sighs> so, I mean, there's there's a lot in like, I mean, these entries are happening rapid fire. Like this can't be, but more than you know, twenty minutes later after the next one. But car car hair white. That's that's Rasputin. Yes, and that that's what she means at the end there. I think with the not who ordered this, but what. That's Rasputin. That is absolutely 100% Rasputin issuing that order saying everyone, everything was been deemed important enough by Rasputin to have a team make a pit stop and grab it. And, uh, and and not just make a pit stop and grab it. Take it by any means necessary. Yes. Like yeah. like this EXO is like, it, and so so this this is where it intrigues me about the whole, you know, what subroutines a- are actually happening inside of an EXO, right? Like that like is was were, were all these EXOs just boom activated with this with this single order, and they all just move with with military like precision and and deadly force that they just come in and they're like this is what's happening you're either with us or you're part of the problem get out of the way and it's 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 honestly it's kind of terrifying right yeah um so i i'm gonna gonna make an admission here uh i did not do all that all that detailed of research on these entries. You so poo on I, you. <laughs> I may have missed. I may have missed this. Did they discuss in these entries who Shannis Pell is and what her research is? Not yet. If, okay, but it does come up later. I don't know. I, I again, you, you and I are kind of on the same page on this one. <laughs> okay. Well, then I'm just going to say it now. And if it comes up later, then spoilers. But uh, there you go. So the reason. Why Shannis Pell is such a notable figure, and why I imagine Rasputin would really want her data at all costs. Uh, she worked for both the Ishtar Collective and the Clovis Bray Corporation before going to uh, Titan as kind of an independent research. And um, those those two things alone is that's that's she, she was a right? very like smart person. That's I mean we're talking we're talking the Ishtar Collective being what what would you call what would you consider that the, the humanity's greatest research facility? Like I, I I don't know much about the Ishtar Collective other than it was on Venus and it's now kind of in the hands of the Vex. Yeah, it was it was a what what to even what to even equate. I've always I've always thought of it as like a like a like a a research facility slash university slash uh, library of everything that humanity knows about the Vex. Well, it is not just Vex. Um, It isn't. That's the thing. So uh, the the Ishtar Collective was an organization dedicated to. Scientific of advanced scientific advancement of humanity. Period. Period. Um, now, because notable figures of the Ishtar Collective came in contact with and 
continued to study Vex, such as Maya Sundaresh. Right. Um, and Dr. Shim. Yep. Uh, it, it, all of our entries relating to it are usually relating to one of these notable figures who were dealing with the Vex. But the Ishtar Collective in and of itself, as far as I can and find and as far as I remember, was not dedicated to study of the Vex by any means. It was dedicated to furthering scientific advancement in general. So I'm, I'm curious if, if those two points uh, just so happen to coincide or if it's like a... It's, it's, it, th- this facility is dedicated to the scientific advancement of, of humanity or, or just the, the advancement of science. And because of the advanced nature of the Vex, they are a central portion of this. Well, I I don't know that it's fair to say they're a central portion of the Ishtar Collective as a whole. I think it's just our our entries, our uh, introductions to members of the collective are exclusively through Vex research. Okay, so it kind of That's, skews sure a little bit. Sure, it's 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 like we're seeing we're seeing what we want to see because this is what we're looking for. Right. It it would be like uh, you know. To, to do a real world example, if you only ever talked to people that went to, um, you know, went, went to a, a university, went to, to University of Michigan, just because it's close to home. Uh, <laughs> and the only people you ever talked to that graduated, graduated with law degree. And you knowing nothing else about the place went, oh, that must be a law school. Uh, where in reality, like that, that is a part of a much larger organization. Okay, that makes sense. So, um, but all that's to say, Shanspell worked there as well as Clovis Spray's facility uh, before she went on independent research. Her independent research at Titan was uh, interstellar probes. Her probe, her the very first probe or, or the very first prototype probe that she got to fire off into the interstellar space towards the the outskirts of our solar system is the probe that picked up the anomaly that warned the soul system about the darkness. Holy shit. She is the one that actually so she saw... could so she could have known about the darkness long before this this alert happened long before even the traveler picked up and, and booked it yes uh by all accounts she did know um because if if we go back why, to... why else would a military force be coming to her doorstep to take whatever they want by force yeah so she um she discovered this anomaly uh, and then as soon as she realized that it was something moving towards the soul system, uh, that there was something in with, with intent moving towards the soul system, uh, she sent that information immediately to, uh, every, every open receiver in the soul system uh, Holy cow! So, needless to say, Rasputin was monitoring at least one of them easily, and understood what was being sent 
and uh, classified it as, you know, having as much information as possible about the as the highest priority. And that... our car hair white, the the absolute top priority. Get your asses home. So that lends a lot of reasoning behind why Rasputin, who would be in charge at this point, uh, of the entire military force of the soul system. Well, and we mm-hmm. talked about this too. Mm-hmm. Like Clovis Bray, did does Clovis Bray exist? Like does does the military as a whole not exist? I mean, she talks about she hasn't even seen a gun in fifty years, right? And, and the first and, thing she finds is an EXO, right? They, they refer to them as uh, what even in in this uh, entry she referred to them as a um, someone who gave up their flesh for the tenuous immortality of a war body of a war body. So I think the EXOs are the military. I think they are. I think I, I 100% think that exos were maybe not necessarily designed from the ground up as a military force, but are actively the military force of the, of the soul system directly under Clovis Bray. And, and now this is an issue. Right. Right. Like as a subroutine directly connect, man, that's interesting to me. Yeah, it, it's it's weird because we can't attribute the decisions being made about you know these sacrifices being made like normally in in present day you attribute that to a you know a group of people within the government general you know those are decisions being made by people about what you know risk versus reward of certain operations absolutely. Uh, and all of those same calculations are technically happening, but they're happening in, you know, split second time in the mind sentient computer. Uh, right. And, and, you know, that, that computer, Rasputin in this case, is trying to make the, and I, I heard someone refer to it this way. He's not trying to make the decisions uh, that will, guarantee the large that will guarantee um humanity victory he's trying to make the decisions that will guarantee humanity survival even if it's in a tiny tiny amount and i and um, i think that's a i think that's a good distinction to make too is is he the the warmind a the warmind rasputin does not look at it as a as a win or lose situation it's 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 never been about a a victory or or a loss or a defeat or a or a win. It's about survival. It's about continuing on, no matter what. And that's and that's where that's that because I mean obviously we've seen that that car hair white in many different places, um, and and that being the the get your ass back to earth command basically um and and so it's like for for rasputin issue that and and that that to me is like that okay everything that needs to survive in in order for humanity to survive this is what needs to happen and so it has activated all those all all those all that's that's where that's where i'm curious as to how much of a subroutine in the exos programming because as much as their human consciousness inside a a 
robotic body, there's still got to be some sort of... Oh, you know Bray put backdoors in there. Right. Yeah. Like, with how arrogant this guy was, and not just arrogant, like, how megalomaniac this guy was. Like, yeah. Like, there's no way that there wasn't something there. And then for that, to also, for him to also... I mean, I mean, the, the war mind is Braytech, right? Like it's it's mm-hmm. yeah, that's all Braytech technology. So there's no way he doesn't have a, a, a backdoor into that or a finger in that or whatever. And and for the there's no way he doesn't have those two connected, right? Like that's that's just part of what he is. That's that's part of how he sees humanity is another way of survival. And so the exos to him is the another way to survival, but that just so happened can be, that can be programmed with a subroutine to be activated as a military force. Which is, which is interesting in this, in this entry too, about how like David is, is seeing this, this woman is Morgan and, and is, and is actively talking to her as Morgan. And she has a little bit of a humanness to her, but she's still very much a robot. And I'm uh, I'm curious if she's not all there. Well, I don't know if it's that she's not all there. Um, although that that could be part of it. Uh, the other thing I find interesting is her name change throughout yeah. this, this lore card, uh, the, these this lore book. Uh, and I wonder if if that's indicative of like. A not a personality switch per se, but a like military mode under direction versus like Ooh. human themselves in, yeah. the, in the exo body. Like um, like if we if we were to take it from the point of like Banshee, right? Like Banshee yeah. is Clovis. Yep. But Banshee is Banshee. You know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. as as much as Clovis as much as Clovis's personality exists within Banshee and, and, and Banshee's body is the exo body of the Clovis mind. It's still not 100% Clovis, right? Like there's still like that 1% that's Banshee and eventually that portion is what wins out. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I'm curious if I'm curious how many exos have that level of, what would you call would you call that multiple personality disorder? Well, it's it's kind of an odd one because that that would imply that it stems from a psychological disorder. Yeah. And, and I don't know that that's the case. It it is kind of working as designed. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, no, working if, as intended. If no, we I see I see. Look at it from Bray's point of from view. Bray's for, yeah. It, you know, that that was what that's that, exactly that's what he wanted. How it should be doing. Um, yeah, that's that's working as intended. Interesting. But, you know, he wouldn't have cared about the impact on the the people. You know, no, no, not deal at all. with that. But uh, to I him, mean, it case, would be a huge success. Right. Like all like, and we see that throughout his journals too. Of like, you know, where they're like experimenting with a guy, and the guy's like, "Hey, um, I can't breathe," and they're all just they just keep talking like nothing's happening. Yeah. Right. They're like, oh, well, that sucks. He's going to die. Oh, well, another another one, another one for the for the death bucket. We'll get him rebooted later. Like to him, this is all just. How do I how do I make 
humanity survive? How do I make humanity immortal? Yeah. Yeah. That's just, that's mind, bl mind blowing to, to, to see it in full swing here to see it in just straight up. Like, I mean, and, and, and it's, it was also interesting to me to, to see the, the, um, uh, that real quick alarm. Like she's in the middle of thinking through stuff. Uh, Maya's in the middle of thinking through stuff. And then there's that alarm of like, Oh, Hey, somebody lifted too many boxes and is starting to get the pre symptoms of a heart attack. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I mean, the fact that we have spliced humans, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't amaze me the level of, of instantaneous, medical emergencies being just kind of like an everyday life thing. Right. And, and just being taken care of just in an instant. So it's, it's, but even, but even then she says it, it probably won't be the day's first death. So, well, I, I mean, think, she already sees she it was, as a death possibly. I think she was referencing that as a, like, will, you know, that person's going to get medical attention. So they're, saved so like they they won't be the day's first death ah okay implying that there will be others uh that that may be but that like this person is going to be saved from their most immediate crisis at least sure interesting interesting i didn't even think of it from that perspective but yeah no that's wow so the the next entry here uh goes back to the good old apocalyptic references uh kalki's burning sword which was uh, the name of the hindu god referenced as the 10th um so this is this is the 10th avatar's weapon like this yes. is this is yeah his is referenced as in as a uh, riding a white horse with a uh burning sword drawn so this is you know the I, I view this as like this is the point where everything is starting to to truly come apart. Yeah. Um, but this is this it, is this is the beginning of uh, the beginning of the end, kind of like <laughs> yeah. All albeit it's only been like maybe an hour and a half <laughs> since yeah. the since the since the first alert came, and now we're here, and it's like shit's moving at at a hundred miles an hour. Like it's 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 getting real. Okay, so this one reads as follows. The beam kisses the rising shuttle and cuts through it like a wire through a block of butter, as if the ship and everyone inside were thin as the hydrocarbon sleet. Thunder booms louder than Earth's through heavy nitromethane air. Mia watches the debris strike the smooth black ocean and sink. She can't breathe. There's something like a whittled mulberry branch stuck in her throat. Do you realize this is your fault? Morgan too groans, inviting no dispute about whether it is in fact Maya Vandervine's fault. Yes, in a complicated way. But rather asking her if she accepts it. Do you see, Mia? Do you see how you killed them? It was a good plan, she'd thought, smuggling Shannis Pell out of the evacuation ships was the right thing to do because it put Shannis Pell's personal autonomy above the need of an enigmatic emergency protocol, because it gave Shannis a choice about what to do with her data instead of yielding that choice to Morgan and her exos. Why? David Korosek whispers. Morgan, you murdered 
all of those people. Why? It should have worked. Maya never betrayed herself to the Exo's electronic warfare with a telltale signal. She didn't warn Pell with a crude mechanical sign like a blinking light or a gushing faucet that a watching AI might detect. She'd hid her alarm in the social chaos of the Arcology's evacuation. Simply by failing to renew a hold order, she allowed one of her security frames to detain a Clovis Bray executive in Dome 2. The Clovis corporate embassy sent a team to unsnarl the situation, and that unexpected sortie triggered Shannis Pell's sentinel programs and kicked off her red alert evacuation protocol. She was already evacuating, just like everyone else, but now she believed, correctly, that someone was after her. Shannis and her lab ran before Morgan's exos could reach them. Ran with the data, Morgan came to silence. The probe. This must be about the Pell Deep Space Probe. That demonstration of self-sufficiency that caused such vicious, quiet controversy. What did it find? When Morgan 2's network senses warned her of Pell's flight, Maya thought she'd won. Saved the radically self-sufficient scientist from the big bad war mind and its paranoid goons. But Morgan 2 had just covered her glowing eyes. Administrator, didn't you understand that I was the humane option? Didn't you think? And down from the sky, swift and stealthy as the war sat that fired it, came the invisible discharge of an X-ray laser to light the shuttle's propellant like a lantern. The beam path was hot white, straight as poured silver, collapsing instantly, a crash of pure thunder as the tunnel of burnt air closes in on itself, and the shuttle opening like a ghastly blossom, the shape of a thing going upward very quickly, no longer in one piece. Oh no. Mia had guessed, not understanding at first. Was it an accident? Had the phantom disaster finally arrived on Titan and struck its final blow? Its first blow? This was the age of life, and governments did not ever use force against human beings. There were always alternatives. Every soul sacred. Every evil treatable. Then she understood what the Warmind had done. Holy shit. So Rasputin shot down a civilian evacuation. Sh- like, literally shot it out of the sky. So like, what, sent, what, sent, uh, activated a war, a war sat and just said, nope. All because so, of one person being on that ship. Of Pell and her data. And what I had originally believed to be a uh, reconnaissance... Reconnaissance and recovery mission, a a mission where Rasputin may have sent the EXO to collect the data of that probe to know more about the enemy. Um, I, I think I think it was sent to destroy. Seems, yeah, it seems absolutely. This was this was a cover up. Essentially, this was, this this was, was absolutely a cover up. Now the the question then becomes why? Right. I like what what purpose behind. So, because because the whole thing, right? Like the the Clovis, the 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 alarm went off. 
Um, it, it, she failed to renew a hold order, which allowed this thing to, to go mess with this Clovis Bray executive in Dome 2. That one sent a team to unsnarl the situation, which then triggered another... Cent- like So all of this was just like a subroutine underneath a subroutine underneath a subroutine. So that way, none of it could be traced back to, to, to Mia or, or anything. Like, But somewhere, so... he knows that Shannis's data and everything about her is high priority and that something was coming for her and something was after her. And so that triggered her to be like, okay, time to evacuate. So my, my theory, um, and I think this will be backed up a little bit as we go through the, the rest of the lore. My theory is that Rasputin being the, the super powerful I, I say computer, but that seems too simplistic. Be, being being the, the thing even, that he is. Even saying AI seems yeah. too simplistic. So Rasputin being whatever the hell Rasputin is, um, a, a sentient machine, uh, intercepted her her data, understood her data, analyzed her data, and came to the conclusion already that winning was never a an option right uh rasputin has at this point in my opinion already given up and is purely in the what event if i assume all humans are already dead what events can i do to make sure that that number of 100 percent becomes 99 percent? that's mind-boggling that's genuinely mind-boggling, and and there's a there's a movie that Margie and I most recently watched that that has a very similar thing happen in it. I can't remember the name of the movie, but it, it's got George Clooney in it, and and he's like the father of this girl, and there's like a there's like an alter. Do you remember the name of the movie, Sweets? The the one with the George Clooney in it that had like they they had the little pins, and it 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 made them shift into the other world and. Tomorrowland. Oh, Tomorrowland. 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 Yep. Tomorrowland. Yep. Yeah. Tomorrowland. Where where it says a hundred percent, right? That mm-hmm. that humanity is doomed. But that as soon as this girl comes in contact with it or does something, it goes to like ninety nine point nine percent. Yeah. And it's it's like this like it moved. Did you see it moved? It, it it's no longer a hundred. Like it like that thing right there. Like the fact that like. Rasputin has already made that decision and is now trying to to recalculate and and figure out what event to to make that number click down, right? Because because as long as it's not a hundred percent, then there's there is a survival. There's, there's survive. There's somebody surviving. Some somewhere. form of survival. Uh, and and his answer to his answer is to prevent whatever this information that this probe and, and all the research and everything to ever become ever coming to the light of day. Yeah. Because for, for one reason or another, that is absolutely integral to the failure of humanity, to, to the failure of humanity, to, to having there be somebody survive that yep. thing needs to not exist. And, and, and if that thing does exist, the, the, the ticker is sitting at a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, That's mind blowing, and so this this is entirely a, a a false flag operation, right? Like this is this is all like, hey, 
we're here to da 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 da, da but they show yeah. up like so not not to be the obvious like okay come the fuck on guns haven't been seen in 50 years and the first thing that shows up is a bunch of people with guns and you're thinking they're just gonna walk out the front door right like yeah, come yeah. on somewhere no. in your minds you gotta be like okay they're here to kill all of us like <laughs> that's that's gotta be that's gotta be somewhere in your mind right like it, 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 it i find it very odd that she's just like okay i'll escort you there but but then in the same thing to see this entire series of of subroutines happen to force shannis into evacuation even maya knows that it's 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 not entirely it's it's not it's it's how, how do you how would you put that it's, it's not entirely out of thought out of perspective that a military force is coming to kill everyone in in a specific part that dealt with that deep that deep uh space probe because of what it found and the information that goes along with it yeah like there there was enough forethought to have a way and a system warning pell yes that some somebody's coming for you absolutely uh, absolutely and then the war mind says nope yeah war mind says i'm a war mind <laughs> i do what i want i do what um, i want that's until yeah. the darkness bitch slaps him uh so we see the aftermath of this uh in the next entry uh Kalki's burning sword part two which reads as follows. Now she kneels, trembling on the carpet outside Pell's abandoned lap as Morgan, too, shouts in grief and rage. I didn't want this, do you understand? I came here so she wouldn't have to die. Then you should have told me, Mia screams, and that rod shoved down her throat feels like it's punched through her heart. Would you have believed me? Now Morgan's voice is machine flat. I showed you our weapons. I told you we were prepared to kill. But this, an entire shuttle? All those people. Those poor, poor people. I know what this means, David pronounces. He's gotten down to his knees beside Mia, but he won't reach out, won't touch without consent. A war mind fired that weapon. War minds don't take human life. Unless... They're in the twilight exigent moral territory. What does that mean? Mia demands, wanting, needing some kind of sense. It means, Morgan too says mercilessly, that all human beings are assumed dead without protective action. The war minds are now acting to maximize survival, not minimize. Death is cheap. The garden's on fire. It's a race to save whatever we can. That's not sense. Maya can't make sense of that. What if they're wrong? David gets to his feet. Morgan, they just murdered a ship full of innocent people. Data, is the secret worth it? What if they're wrong? They can't be wrong. They're too smart. Oh, no, you don't. You haven't forgotten that much. He comes at Morgan, fearless in his authority for all his physical power. You know intelligence is semi-orthogonal to morality. The war minds obey human stricture. 
because we built them to live in our tiny patch of the moral landscape. Goodness is not an inevitable. They can be smart without being right. Morgan Two's shoulders flexed in a shrug as cold and silent as the light on Titan. Most of the sun's light does not survive to reach this place. What do you want from me, David? He is almost comically taller than her. I want to see the data. There are still copies here, aren't there? In the Pell Lab, I want to know for certain it had to be contained. It's too dangerous. It came from inside the... Morgan cuts herself off with very human haste. It's too risky. You know what I am. Now he is begging her. You know what I... Studying human morality, rendering elegant and explicit and complete that we can explain ourselves to a new life that we may meet. You know I can be sure. Please, for the sake of our... Mia does not get to hear the rest of this conversation because a message explodes into her sensorum with as much demanding totality it... Boss, Ishmael shouts, we're accelerating. What? Mia conjures up tele telemetry from Titan's satellite Halo. What's accelerating? She calls for radar data, a map of Titan's service, and then she sees it. Her moon is squashing. Titan is deforming from a sphere, spheroid into an egg. Something out there is pulling on Titan. A hand with a force greater than Saturn's entire mass, and the moon is answering the only way it can by bulging outward. Already 15 meters, still growing. The pull will cause strain, tremors, tides, and when that pull lets go, there will be a wave to make Zeusandra and Atrahasis and Noah and Manu and Dikulin cower in fear. Burglemir might have navigated a deluge of blood, but not even he sail on liquid method nor reckon with the apocalyptic tidal forces of a second ocean, 14 times as vast as Earth's oceans combined, buried 15 kilometers beneath the surface. <sighs> wow. So something... Something is pulling on Titan. Something is pulling on Titan. So I think first part, uh, this whole conversation essentially the conversation we just had um yeah. about like why would Rasputin do this uh the morality know, behind the it morality like the behind it that that twilight exigent we've seen that before too yep um when we talk when when we've looked at warmind stuff and it's it's all about exactly what they said warmind the warminds are now acting to maximize survival. and it's interesting here that they say the warminds plural right yeah when we I, when we no, now, like, like there uh, was Charlemagne, but Charlemagne was just like a satellite of Rasputin. Like, Rasputin is the only war mind. Technically, at the time of the writing of this lore, D2 year one, they had not maybe decided how they were yeah. going to deal with the, the war minds. <laughs> It'd um, be interesting if they, if they go through and they're like, oh, and just erase the S everywhere. Just get rid of it everywhere. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the Warmines are, are, are now acting to maximize survival, not minimize harm. That is, that is very much, that's, every, that's, that's what we just talked about. 
Yeah. That's that's so much. And and even Mia can't she's like I, that there's no sense in that. Like that like what if they're wrong? Like what how how what is this level of secret that needs to be contained? Like why why is it so bad that if it gets out, it it guarantees humanity's the end of humanity. Like it like it's yeah, mind blowing. It is. And then and 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 then for all of this to be happening and in the middle of it to be like, oh shit, hey, um Titan's doing something. Yeah, the the I say planet, not planet, the the entire moon, the entire celestial body is changing shape because something Fif out there fifteen has meters. At 15 by bulging outward 15 meters so so i mean that may not seem like a lot but to a celestial body on a planetary scale i mean like, that is huge you're talking that entire ice sheet underneath has got to be being ripped apart mm -hmm. like and that's that's the other thing that's interesting here because because we're talking about essentially a dual layer ocean. There's the the first layer of methane, the right. ice, and then the second layer. That would be like I've never been in one. I I assume you haven't. But if we can just imagine what it would be like to face down a tsunami. Yeah. yeah. Imagine a tsunami on the surface, and then the same thing happening under your feet that's under that's the, that's genius so so that comes back to the to to like the the physical wave properties right like mm -hmm. the waves on the surface are doing one thing and then there's a there's an entire protective shell right like a 50 50 meters deep or, or no I, I forgot how, how i think it was something like that uh the the well the 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 ocean the the methane ocean is 50 kilometers and then, and then there's the ice shell. I, I can't remember the exact measurement of the ice shell, but the ice shell itself being a protective shell of so many kilometers, and then a, another water thing underneath that, that can quite possibly, depending on how this ice is, could quite possibly have its own wave properties and its own motion and everything. So we're talking two different forces that could be going in two different directions that are now starting to interact with each other because of the ice shelf of the, of that ice shell breaking apart. Yeah. So is a mess, <laughs> right? Like a huge mess. And then they reference it too. They, 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 they say all these things. The, the one that I, I picked out was Noah and Manu. Um, obviously Noah and, and, and the ark and the, and the great flood um, Manu being of the, what would you call that? It, I don't want to say Indonesian, but it, it's more that South Pacific. Um, uh, yeah, I can't say I'm I'm terribly familiar personally. I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but I'm ninety nine percent sure. It's like it's like the it's like a South Pacific uh, deity, um, uh, like like in uh, um, for a very crude reference, Moana. Like there was Maui who brought up the different islands from the sea and, and then the people sailed from island to island and, and, and that that's, that's very much how the South Pacific um, 
I don't want to say culture, but like uh, their way of life. That's, that's kind of how they evolved um, through the years. And that's the stories that they tell is of that. Um, I'm assuming the other ones are of, of other cultures of other, um, you know, I, I don't have any type of reason to believe this, but, or, or to not believe it for that matter, that they're of other cultures that believe in, in different, you know, the, the great flood or the flooding flood of the world. Events, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that it, that, that when that pull lets go, there will be a wave that will make these people cower in fear. Like, like all of, all of these different stories from, from days of old, nobody has any type of reference yeah. to how bad it's going to be. Those are all going to look like peanuts compared to whatever it is that comes from yeah. this. Yep. Uh, and, and so, so that, that, that force, do, do they ever directly say what that force is? Uh, I mean, we, we know, or we have a pretty good guess as to what it is. I don't know if it directly says it in, in this lore book anywhere. Um, I don't know that it does. Well, if it doesn't, I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there right now. Uh, that's the traveler hauling ass past Titan. Yeah. And, and so, so I, all right, here comes the physics portion, uh, of, of which we will get yelled at, uh, which is fine. I, you will get I, yelled at cause I'm going to shut the hell up. I, I, accept, <laughs> I accept, I accept my inept inability to, to, um, correctly portray the level of physics that's happening. We know that everything that has mass inherently has gravity and all those gravitational forces all act on each other. Like this is the reason why like Jupiter and Saturn are huge. And they're the reasons why we have the asteroid belt. And they're the reasons why um, uh, we have, we even have planets, right? Like that's the whole reason we have things like Mars and, and, even the orbits that we have, the gravity between the two most massive things in our, well, I guess three most massive things in our solar system, that being Jupiter, Saturn, and the sun, all are acting on each other, right? And, and since, since gravity is directly proportional um, to mass, because mass is, is, is part of the gravity formula, um, we know that that mass, if... If Titan, right, this little this little ball of methane and ice and water, is in a certain shape, orbiting around a a huge huge planet, that being Saturn, is also being acted on by the sun by the gravity of the sun is also being acted on by the gravity of Jupiter, and now something is passing by it, so with such a gravitational pull that it is changing the shape of the, of, of the moon. Holy hell. How does the traveler's gravity, how, how does, how does the gravity of the traveler or the, or the mass of the traveler not completely fuck with everything in the solar system? Well, I think cause it can turn it on and off is, is we, we've but, talked about this a little bit before. Um, if we equate the different uh, cause true life 
true scientific cosmic forces uh to the forces of that we know of uh that are wielded in the light in the destiny universe right um gravity would equate to uh void void uh you know there's um you know nova bomb right is, is trying there there was a, a reference in one of the nova bombs specifically to uh like having a gravitational pull or or maybe it was um in one of the the grenades like vortex grenade or something like that. sure uh but yeah essentially when when guardians are using void energy uh they are using a energy affecting gravity right um and that's so so that's that's what just genuinely kind of blows my mind is is that what the traveler was using to move yeah because uh, we don't we don't see any type of propulsion system on, like to us as the outside viewer this is a perfectly spherical thing true like um, there's no there's no form of propulsion that we can see so it obviously it has to move about somehow otherwise how would it have jumped from planet to planet to planet to moon to moon to moon to do all this terraforming but what is that like what how is it able to move and and for it to book it that fast and and th- then the question comes into did did the war miner Rasputin help out with its movement like did it issue this warning thing and it was just like okay i see i it's it's like a game of chess right like okay i see your car hair white as as you know your your check with me having you know two pieces left on the board and i'm gonna I'm going to suicide my my queen over just to stalemate it type thing, right? And then that that created the whole like, oh, the Rasputin shot down the traveler as as told by Oldrinsov. Um So yeah, that's like all these different forces that are acting at this specific time is is insane. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on here. Um and I'm I'm so for for anyone that wasn't aware of uh ties to the uh the um what are the words I'm looking for? The real I don't world know, we're ties. really articulate tonight. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh the the real world ties between uh, the destiny subclasses and the quantum fields uh, right. in aer- aeronautics, astrophysics, astrophysics. That's, that's the word I'm looking for. Astrophysics, uh, I think is the rolling that hour back has really done. Uh, right. Like, <laughs> um, the worst part is the puppers who are like, Hey, it's six <laughs> o'clock. And you're just like, no, the fuck it's not. No, it's you not go back to sleep. Way. Uh, yeah, but so generally speaking, uh, the quantum field that's being manipulated by the light equates to the subclass. Uh, right. So solar, solar being like nuclear power, nuclear yep. fission. Solar being um, tied to the gluon field, which uh, mediates nuclear strong force. 
Yep. Um, arc being tied to the electron field, electron yep. being, you know, the ex- electromagnetic of that field. Yep. Um, and then void, uh, being the zero point. What is it? Zero point energy, uh, which equates to to space time. Yeah. Um, which or, gravity itself is a measure of time because you're using the speed of light. Yes. Uh, so, that, so therefore, therefore, since that is part of the equation, it is inherently a space-time thing. Therefore, it is part of the void. Well, See, we only approach everything on this show with science, damn it. None of that Rasputin shot the Traveler rhetoric. Yeah, and Nova Warps just for... Cause... Well, because <laughs> video games. Because video there, games. There, I said it. I said it. I said it. Um, so needless to say, we can theorize that that may be how the traveler was relating gravity. Maybe to get propulsion, maybe it just, when it lets loose, it just lets loose on all cylinders and can't control certain things. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but regardless, the results of it moving past, uh, Titan and, and do you know where the where that is explained because I, I did a quick cursory search and I don't believe it's explained in this this lore book anywhere. Of, um, of Titan itself that, being stretched or the traveler zooming past that is, Titan. That is the traveler that's doing it. I I don't think that there's anywhere the 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 closest we have um is the next entry, which is the sundown distress. And so yeah. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and read that one real quick. Uh, um, to give you a little bit of a a break. (laughs) So that one one reads as follows. Mayday, mayday, mayday. All circum-Saturn stations monitoring guard. This is new Pacific arcology, declaring a sundown loss of of habitability. Jesus Christ. You you sure you want to take this one? Turns out I need the break. Loss of habitability, that is a hard word, event. We have 2.9 million souls aboard. We repeat, Titan is no longer safe for human life. And this, this next paragraph is where it, I believe it, it, is, it is the breakdown of it. We are experiencing massive tidal forces of unknown origin. Our physics cluster detects mass growl. Fate... Fa- fa- Phaeton strikes, and sterile neutrino scattering. Possible origins include a compact dark matter object, a lambda field influence, or a polarized gravity device. I'm going to keep reading the rest of it, and then we'll come back to that one. Satellite LIDAR confirms a tidal bulge of 40 meters, 400, repeat, 400% of Ordinary tidal deformation and growing. We anticipate massive cryoseismic prio- activity as the tidal effect recedes. Total crustal reflex will trigger a multiple hypocenture ice quake swarm. Surface effects catastrophic. We are attempting to decouple tidal anchors and loosen the arcology structure. Blue water vessels are now transporting frozen citizens to lifters. 
We require all available ships with interplanetary capability to receive refugees. Contact New Pacific Traffic Control on approach. Be advised that we have no contact with any circum-Saturn ships or stations, and we are transmitting in the blind. This message will now repeat. So, obviously, sterile, sterile neutrino scattering. That's the darkness. That's, we know that for a fact to be of the darkness. So I'm curious if the experience that is happening on Titan is a direct... A, a direct influence of the light of the traveler and the darkness of the dark being that close to each other. Yeah, there's, so I, I was doing some cursory searches and I definitely have not combed through everything in, you know, five minutes, the entire, but, um, the entire destiny universe lore. Right. Uh, I couldn't find any reference to the traveler shooting past Titan or um, the traveler being explained as the cause for this gravitational anomaly. Okay. Uh, I think it's certainly a, a good theory because we know, uh, you know, by nature, by nature of the, the uh, message that they got earlier in this lore book that, you know, traveler has abandoned IO is returning to earth. Um, but what they're experiencing on Titan couldn't is possible. It's not related to the traveler at all. Uh, it's you know possible what? that this is all darkness related. I was fixing to say the one comparison we have here is staring us right in the face. And I haven't even seen it. I, I didn't even see it until just now. Freaking Exodus green. Exodus green had a, gravitational and not well it had a, a singularity which by nature of being a black hole would be a gravitational uh, right a polar a polarized gravity gravity device or something like that right but the fact that they, it came in contact where, with darkness where was exodus green that's what i keep getting at so like, like exodus green came back in the in the asteroid belt and 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 everything about the Awoken is in the asteroid belt. I think Exodus Green was clear out here, possibly on the heliopause, possibly on the 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 billions of rocks that are just outside Pluto, that essentially is where the soul system ends and the universe begins. So I have a, another theory here. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to, to back up my info here. Uh, if we assume, let me see here. So the Exodus fleet that would become the reef is supposedly located in the asteroid belt between Mars and the gas giant planets. Right. If we assume the Exodus green, the, 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 the point where, um, where they, they come out in the reef. So, when they so, so real quick, we also, we also need to make a, a real quick thing here. 
Remember, Exodus Green was swallowed whole in that singularity and was in the distributary. Right, right, right. No, absolutely. So I'm saying if if we assume that the exit point when Mara and crew leave the distributary is also the original entry point where they went into the distributary along with Exodus Green. Sure. And that exit point is in or near the reef, and the reef is in the asteroid belt between Mars and the gas giants. Sure. One of those gas giants being Saturn. Right. Is it possible then, with knowing its location, that the singularity that pulled in the Exodus Green is also the same thing that caused the gravitational anomaly on Titan? I think you're right. I, I think we're on to something here. And that's, that's where I say the, the answer to what has been doing this, to ty- what did this to Titan, has been staring me in the face in this lore entry with the three words, sterile neutrino scattering. Everything about that is the darkness. Because because that's yeah. exactly how Asher describes the the Taken. Well, that's and that's how it's described anytime the Taken. Asher, Ikora, Ghost. Any of uh, them. All have mentioned sterile neutrinos multiple times. Um, Absolutely. Always as as a prelude to like the Taken spawning in. And 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 that's it. That's it. The Taken spawning in. And when they spawn in, there's this black like darkness black hole bubble that appears and expands outward and then dissipates and when it dissipates the taken are there so So, i think we're on to something here i think i think that the exodus i think the exodus green so so i have a few things here i think the exodus green was actually pretty close to titan it's not, maybe I, I would believe that. Yeah, maybe maybe not right on top of Titan, but but somewhere in the proximity of Titan when this black hole happens. And that's that's where I'm curious. Like, I, obviously, this black hole was the darkness, right? Like it had some sort of entity to it. Well, the, the black hole that swallowed the exit of the screen was the mer- it was the meeting of dark and light was, right. was the meeting of those two energy signatures those two i was, you know, was going to say dark and light the the tools the yeah the the force not the entity the 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 infinite the the uh infinite wavelength versus the zero wavelength and everything trying to divide by zero yeah the uh immovable object versus the unstoppable force yes kind of, kind of thing and that's uh, what created that singularity in that black hole that 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 Mara was out there and poop. And I yep. I I think you I think we're on to something here. I think that that specific event is what caused this exact thing. So a because that would explain the that would explain the gravitational pull, mm-hmm. right? Because a black hole has insane amount of gravitational pull, right? Like that would explain that 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 would that would help explain why the traveler didn't have this effect on everything around it. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and all this being about the same time and that car hair white 
thing going out all at once. We know that that got to the Exodus Green, and the Exodus Green had that same signal sent to them, and they were like, fuck that. We are not of humanity. We are a different life force. Like, we are mm-hmm. a different thing altogether. Like, we are leaving humanity, and we are going to be something else. We wish to be not considered in whatever fight you're going to have out here. I, th- I think we're on to something here. I think, I think we just had a breakthrough moment just now. I, I think this lines up pretty well. Um, so just as a little, a little cherry on top, uh, sterile neutrinos are an actual thing or, or right. an actual hypothetical thing. Yep. Um, they're hypothetical particles that are believed to interact only via gravity and not any other fundamental interaction of standard model of the universe. Yep. Uh, so sterile neutrinos... The only thing that can affect them in any way whatsoever is gravitational force. Uh, take it, it might literally spawn out of black holes. I think they do. I think those are many. I think those are many black holes that open up and allow taking a pop out of them. And and we know that we know that the Hive experiment with with this stuff. Savathun did it. Oh yeah. With 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 her hole trying to create this black hole and stick a thrall in it. And then to try to stick her worm in there to try to get the worm to feed off of itself for eternity. Mm-hmm. Like, I, holy shit. I think we just had a breakthrough just now. I, I think we just had that aha moment. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think that's probably the best theory we've come up with thus far about what may have been causing this to happen on, on Titan. Holy cow. Uh, well, so, now, now that I've completely broken myself and, and, and we are well past our two-hour mark, uh, let's try to get through these last, these, these last two parts, which is a part one and part two, uh, fairly quickly. <laughs> well, and I, I suppose that's something I was going to ask. Um, this is mostly just exposition about the aftermath. Uh, yeah, we, we can just read these as, as, a, as, a, as a thing. Yeah, okay. Do you, do you oh. want to take part one and, and I'll take part two? Sure, that works. So this is The Water Sun, part one. Uh, I don't think that's a reference to anything other than this is now a world of very turbulent water. Um, or, or methane. Mari Yamashita dives through bad water. It's not water at all. But that's what the dolphins have nicknamed it, Bad Ocean, because it sucks to swim in it. At nearly negative 200 degrees Celsius, the methane is so viciously frigid that, vac- frigid that vacuum, the acme of pure cold, is actually keeping Mari warm. He wears a soft suit stuffed with microscopic layers of vacuum packed in turn with crystalline nanostructures that prevent even light from crossing the gaps. This means the chill cannot get in, and his body heat cannot get out. So he is now baking to death in an ocean as cold as Dante's Nine. Of course, he could vent heat, the suit allows that, but spreading the warmth will force nitrogen out of the methane-ethane ocean, and the bubbles will slow him down. This is unacceptable for a lot of reasons one of which is that he's already too slow. Liquid methane is about half as dense as water, so his huge fins and hissing thrusters struggle to push against it. 
Another reason is that he will die if he can't get back inside in time. Maori, his sensorium whispers. He's turned the volume way down. Come back. This isn't worth your life. Sorry, Mia, he thinks. It has to be worth my life, or I'm worth more than them, and I know I'm not. I put them there. It's my job to let them out. He always loved the stupid little swarmers. Dome two's understructure crouches around him, a maze of ultralight support struts and twisting bundles of cable. The shadow of a behemoth supercarrier blocks the dim sunlight above. He feels the thin howl of the ship's thrusters, fighting to move out of mooring a thousand people to an evacuation lifter. If Maori looks down, his lights illuminate a dusty wash of azotosomic plankton, primitive methane life. He looks back to Dome 1. He can barely see the sleeky, fat form of the Duker, the water-ocean research submarine docked to the arcology's underside. He heads down. His dolphins are already safe. He has to get the swarmers out of their research pen. Tidal anchor is decoupled, Zinyam McCaig reports. Dome 1 structure is as loose as we can make it. Dome 2 is showing temperature faults, but I've got drones on the way. Maori, please. We have no idea what'll happen when the quake hits. Get back in here. I'll be back in a few, he promises. I'm just going to cut the research pen open so the swarmers can get free. Oh, hala, Ishmael Barat whispers, it's gone. What's gone? The tidal pull, the ghost mass. It just left. The moon is collapsing back to spheroid shape. I'm detecting prim- primary waves in the subsurface ocean. It's a quake. It's a quake. Maori, get away from the stru- substructure. Get clear. Maori imagines 60 plus meters of bulging moon. Titan's mass hauled up into a teardrop pointed at the sky suddenly released, smashing and scraping and grinding back into equilibrium, cracks in the ice spewing plumes of water and ammonia, continent-sized shelves slamming and rebounding, caving like bergs, the whole vast inner ocean sloshing back into its shape. The swarmers, he says, and he jettisons his buoyancy tanks. Without that lift, he is so much denser than the bed in the bad water around him that plunges like a skydiver towards the cross brace below, where the swarmer pen is anchored. Titan's gravity may be gentle, but even gentle acceleration adds up. He hits hard, and the spin metal surface blasts the air out of his lungs. He gasps and gags, scrabbles for purchase before he slides off and falls into the abyss. He's going over. No, no, he is not going over. He will not fall. Part two continues. The gecko grip surfaces on his forearms, catch and hold. Whew, he says, as he has never, he's never meant anything so insane, so deeply. Swarmers seethe and pulsate in the perforated plastic sack. Not, Titan, not Titan's highest life, nor its lowest. They hive across the icy sea bottom in enormous braided patterns that speak to Mari of intelligence. Not individually, not even at the hive level, but some kind of vast concert, 
conducted perhaps by the leviathans down beneath the ice shell, communicating across the barrier by magnetic whisper that the swarmers receive via organic squids. An ecology spanning methane life and water ammonia life. Why? How? Mari wants so badly to know, but if his curiosity brought the swarmers here only for them to be caught in the quake, dashed apart against the arcology struts, he'll never forgive himself. He should have set up a remote release, but he was complacent. He gets a fistful of the pen's smart plastic surface and fires the disintegrate signal through his glove. The polymer shreds and the swarmers scatter, their tiny bodies siphoning liquid methane as they pump down and away. Safe. Safe. I made it, he calls. On my way back up. The quake hits. 150 meters below, the icy basis of Kraken Mare rolls like liquid. The arcologies answer the low geological wail with a cacophony of groans and shrieks, joints flexing, tethers snapping, snapping taut, substructures soaking up unthinkable mechanical energy, trying to keep anything from breaking. Something must have frozen hard down in domes to structure, substructure. Something must have grown brittle. The snap is almost spinal. The smash hulk of a drone tumbles past Mari as he tries to skulk backwards away from the super dense arm of plasteel dropping like a guillotine through all too thin methane to strike him in the an absence. He's on the ice seafloor, 240 meters down, someone shouting in his ear. It's Maya. She's always there in an emergency, always there for her team. Mari! Mari, you're awake. Respond, if able. His, sensori his sensorium tells him he's been in a medical coma while cryo-machines fight to save his life. Massive blunt trauma. Concussion. The suit, as ever, tougher than the human being inside. Dome 2 has toppled partially. It's leaning, toward it's leaning toward the sea on damaged substructure. He should go help. Mari, Maya, Maya says in a level voice. He does not recognize. He's never heard her scared before. Listen to me. The quake is over, but a shelf of ice collapsed onto Kraken Mare. The displacement wave is coming now, and you won't be safe on the bottom. You must reach the surface and get above wave level. That will be at least 50 meters. Surface? Wave? About 50 meters? Mari cues a blast of neutrope to clean up his thinking and grunts aloud in shock. He gets it. Oh, he gets it now. He has to run. I understand. I've lost my buoyancy. Ascending on thrusters. He makes it to the surface. He's up, th he's up there in plenty of time. He can even see Dome 1 still intact, though a lot of the surrounding rigging is damaged. One of the creepy exo-soldiers stands outside, beckoning to him with a laser dazzle, guiding him in. Mario opens his suit wings to their full mem membranous span, a single mighty stroke of paramuscle cups the air and hauls him up out of the sea. He's aloft. Titan's air is thick, and Titan gravity is light. And like a huge bat, he can fly. He puts his head down and starts building altitude, heading towards the beckoning Exo. The Exo's laser blinks code at him. Go with God, 
you poor Mari looks back. First he sees the supercarrier, tragically buoyant, tragically light, built for seas with gentle one-meter tides, but now riding the greatest wave Titan has ever seen, directly into Titan Dome 2's crippled substructure. In 152 kilo, kilopascals of air pressure, the pandemonium sound of the collision has the gut-mulching power of a rocket booster. The entire arcology collapses down onto the ship into the sea. Then he blinks past the devastation and recognizes the sheer scale, the utter speed, the complete immense imminence of that unthinkable methane wave coming down on him. Oh man, he says. So that's literally... It, that's, that's the end. Like that's... I, I, I feel like everyone dies. But do they? That's that's the thing. Like, two point nine million people, and this entire like, I don't know. Like, it's it's hard to think that that everyone didn't die. You know, like it's. I mean, the fact that the EXO is blinking code at him, right? Like, go with God, you poor soul. Like, like. <laughs> yeah. All he so, wants, all he wants to do, is save this 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 one species of life from from being ripped apart and and destroyed by the domes, and he manages to do so, but at what cost? Like this methane wave has literally sent a carrier slamming into the into the dome with the force of a rocket. That's yeah. It's pretty. Pretty nuts. Um, however, that that if we if we want to put a spin foil hat on, all right, that may, not, that may not be the end of the story for all of the characters involved. Um, it's definitely so, the end of Mari. I, yeah, I, I don't think Mari made it. Pretty sure Mari died. <laughs> that, yeah. He tur- um, when he turns around, he's like, "Oh, jeez!" Like, like I, I think of it as like a Rick and Morty. Like, "Oh, jeez!" <laughs> <laughs> like he's no. he, he's going down. Yeah. Uh. So, I don't necessarily have anything that actually ties these two together, other than um very tangential evidence, and just uh. Uh, what what to say? Um, similarities in okay. in a certain situation. So, okay, I got my spin foil hat on. If if we do a search for some of the character names that we uh came across in the in the last days of Kraken Mare, one of them that pops out is Maya or Mia. Uh, okay. And if you search her full name, you don't get anything. But if you do search just her first name, you get an entry that relates back to Clovis Bray and Elsie Bray, specifically an individual Exo named Mia Nine. Uh, Interesting. And she only shows up 
in two entries. These are the recovered the recovered memory of part of the uh, Legacy's Lament book. Yeah. Uh, in regards to uh, Banshee and uh, Banshee and Elsie kind of fighting back the the Vex invasion. Yeah. Um, and uh. The 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 similarities just stack up a little bit. Uh, so recovered memory of Mia Nine um, goes something along these lines: the ringing is started to even out. I'm back up on my feet. Our evac ship, it's gone. The AI destroyed it. Nearly killed us all in the process. In fact, I think he did get some of us. He did. Oh God, Hector. And he's not the only one. So the the rest of this is not going to be relevant to the point I'm trying to make because it's mostly discussion between Maya Nine, uh, Elsie Bray, and uh, the the EXO that will be known as Banshee. Um, but that's I, that's I, very similar to to what just so what we just read here. It's it just it has enough similarity that makes me go. I wonder uh, the fact that the the very first couple of lines from this Mia Nine EXO uh, that was fighting alongside Elsie and uh, Banshee, uh, which would have been post collapse. Yeah. Uh. And the very the very first lines are about an evac ship being destroyed by an AI. Uh, just seems a little Su- super similar, super similar, super suspect, right? Um, but there there is no other there is no other direct ties that I I can I can interesting. Uh, but it makes you wonder. Like we the only person we know for sure is gone. In my opinion, is is Mari. So yeah. maybe Mia made it out. Uh, she was so anti-EXO, um, but maybe it was just a survival thing. Maybe it was just a like... Either, either that or it was like she, she saw no way to... like tie, all, of, all of Titan's research had now been taken away from her and, and the entire arcology is gone. Like all that's left is the darkness and right. nothing else matters. I'm curious about that. So it's possible that eventually she became the EXO of who then went on to fight with Clovis One and Elsie Bray and closed the Vex portal on Europa. Man. Holy cow. What a freaking story tonight. Like that. that so many revelations and, and, and emotions throughout this entire thing. Like this has been, this, this has been a lot, a lot deeper of a trip than I expected it to be. Um, wow. Is, uh, is yet another one that again, that there, there are no small, simple stories. There are no small, simple <laughs> stories. Uh, case in point, we're almost an hour past our, Yes, and and we should probably work to do what we can to to try and wrap it up. 
Yeah, we. I've, I'm just. We're just gonna go ahead and 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 just wrap it up right now because I like I can't I can't think like I mean we I I think we're onto something with with the with the whole idea of that I I was always under the impression that it was IO or that it was it was the travelers zipping past that caused Titan to do this but I'm now more and more I, I'm probably about ninety nine point nine percent leaning towards the it was whatever happened to the exit screen. That same gravitational event that happened there is what fucked with Titan here and caused that collapse of the domes. So that that's where I'm at as well, at least until other evidence presents itself. Yep. Yep. So uh well I guess I'll I guess I'll start her off with our, our thank yous. Um thank you to Maya or Mia or however we're pronouncing her name. Uh because we have such consistency here on Yes, stories. <laughs> We're nothing if not consistent. Um, for for wanting to save everyone in the arcology and wanting to wanting to save specifically, uh, uh, Pell, right? Is that? Yeah, already, uh, already got or Pell. Pell. Pell was the last name. I think it was Sheeran. Sheeran Pell, something like that. Now, now I'm gonna have to go find it. You're welcome. To get, a, to get a proper thank you to her. Shannis. Shannis Pell. Thank you, Shannis Pell, for doing your research and uh, sending a uh, deep, deep space probe out and for warning us of the darkness that is coming and that uh, led the Warmind into survival mode. Uh, I don't know why I'm thanking Clovis and the Warmind at this point in time, but thank you. For both of you, because you're both nuts. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's. Uh, thank you to our special guest introducer, uh, the wonderful and talented uh, Mystic Penguin Fifteen, uh, who is literally the greatest human being on the planet, and is completely asleep next to me, watching whatever show she's watching on her phone. Um, thank you to Netflix for putting Mystic Penguin to sleep constantly. Uh, and as always, uh, thank you, Myth. I, the, like, without your breakdown of some of this stuff, and I, 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 I don't know, I, I, I feel like I'd be lost in the ether out here. And it, as, as always, I absolutely love these, these long talks and discussions we have. Yeah, I have a lot of fun bouncing ideas off coming to some some new conclusions even uh, that that challenge some of our our previous uh previous ideas for things so absolutely gives us a gives us a deeper understanding of of this world that we're in and that we play in um that i i am all too convinced that it's a real place <laughs> it's it's the real future of humanity so, and of course, as a final thank you, uh, thank you to any of our viewers uh, who, who listen to this throughout the week uh, and, and any new followers that we get. Uh, we absolutely appreciate it. And, and it's, it's as, as, much as, as much as we kind of do this for ourselves to kind of come up with these theories and better understandings of what, what we come against in the darkness and, and, and in the Destiny universe, we also like sharing that info with, with everyone out there. And, and I like approaching things with that 
scientific mind and that scientific thought of, of how do I explain this with science? And yeah. So thank you, science. Uh, <laughs> yes. Thank yeah. you, science, for literally everything. For literally everything. <laughs> So uh, as always, uh, from all of us lore nerds uh, to all of you guardians out there, uh, we'll see you next week.